I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. What's up and welcome to Serious Issues, the official King's Comics podcast. We're coming to you live out of Sydney from 310 Pitt Street, the back office of King's Comics where dreams are made. (laughs) Uh, My name's Andrew Levins. My name's Siobhan Coombs. Sure is. And every week we sit down, we read all the comics, takes us three days, then we come reconvene in the uh, formerly mentioned House of Dreams (laughs) and let you know which of last week's comics were the best, the ones that you should be reading alongside us each week. So we can read in unison, our minds working as one. Until we take over as a hive mind. That's the end goal, guys. That is. That's our final Patreon goal. <laughs> and I bring that up because uh, later in this episode, <laughs> we're going to be we're going to be talking about uh, all of last week's comics, especially all the new number ones that came out last week from Marvel, Image, DC and more. But before we get there, I just want to tell you something, guys. We have uh, launched a Serious Issues, issues Patreon Seems. account. Serious Issues Patreon account. <laughs> uh, and uh, basically what we've done this for is uh, we want to create more content, but yep. given our busy schedules, uh, we've got to cut other things out of our lives in order to do that. And We would like uh, to be paid for that. <laughs> to be as friendly as possible, yeah. But this is all, basically um, we've, we've created, what we did first was we created all these goals, things that we would love to be doing with our show. Mm-hmm. And these include making videos, doing extra episodes, doing live events. And uh, I guess like the final goal, uh, not, not including the hive mind, mm, of course, yeah, uh, is, is is actually starting a website with con- with content and articles written by us and mm. other people that we that we know from the scene that that could contribute. Uh, so yeah, we, we kind of came up with the goals first and foremost, and then we came up with some uh, little rewards that we could offer people that want to support us each month. Uh, for those not familiar with Patreon, what there's all you need, all it is, is a, a website, and uh, our one is Patreon. That's p a t r e o n dot com slash serious issues podcast. And uh, if you head there. Uh, you can basically just become a patron of the show, and what that means is you pledge a certain amount of money. It can be as low as two dollars, um, and you pay that a month, and that goes to us. And as we basically receive more support, we can produce more episodes and, and content for you guys to enjoy. And obviously, these episodes will still be free. We're not going to try and make you pay for this. No, um, totally. I mean, we won't do the, that weird thing that some podcasts do, where like. Uh, you know, older episodes aren't available to people that don't subscribe or anything, yeah. anything weird like that. Everything that already exists will continue to exist forever. And we're not going to, you know, forever. constantly talk. Okay, oh, shit, well, lock <laughs> to do. Who's going to be the next Siobhan and Levins? Oh, my God. <laughs> um, but uh, the Have Hive Children, line, the hive children line, will just continue it. That works too. Oh, my God, that'd be so funny. Um, but, uh, yeah, so what we're doing is um, um, 
you know, just just working towards creating more stuff and keeping keeping what we've already produced each week, you know, as as what we still mm. produce each week. We can, and you know, for for free content, two hours of us rambling about comics is is pretty is, is a lot already. <laughs> <laughs> Some might argue too much, um, but uh, you know, we haven't we've only kind of mentioned this on our Facebook page. We've already got twenty some patrons that have uh, we, already allowed us to hit our first three goals. Yeah, holy moly, um, guys, thank you. So uh, I'll just run through the goals really quickly. Um, you can head over to um, patreon.com slash series issues podcast. Check out all the rewards. We've named all the rewards after our favorite Green Lanterns. So uh, Mogo is the $100 a month reward. Um, that's that's as high as you can go. It doesn't get bigger than Mogo. And uh, the lowest, the $2 a month reward is uh, the chip level. And that's chip uh, CH-P. Yep. Uh, the, uh, weird, the worst uh, the, the squirrel green land that got hit by a truck. <laughs> Jim is not going to become a Patreon supporter. He's, uh, Jim, Jim's in, in, just stood up from his desk in, in a rage, throwing his computer on the ground. He's a big chip man. <laughs> um, but yeah, you, you know, you could choose anyone from Hal Jordan to Carl Rayner to Guy Gardner to Gnort. <laughs> and that's how you can pledge your award. Um, you, you can get, you know, weird exclusive things um, that that relate to the uh, the goals, like you know, and you get access to all the Patreon stuff before anybody else does. Uh, plus, like you know, weird things like if you pledge twenty dollars a month, uh, we'll send you a comic book from our collection. Guys, I have so many hilarious comics in my collection. Uh, Fifteen dollars, actually. That's all. That's all. Get, that'll get you a, a comic from either mine or Siobhan's, or maybe both. Yeah. Uh, personal collection. We both have way too many comics as is, so you could get something very strange and cool. Um, there's also rewards that basically allow you to become more than just a listener of the podcast. In fact, you can become a contributor. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, you are basically, if you, if you pledge 20 bucks a month, you can uh, submit your own review of any comic every single week if you like. Um, and kind of you know, have, have, let your voice be heard. Mm. Um, I, I assigned Guy Gardner to that level. Nice. Because I figured he was the angriest. He's also could. the mouthiest. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, even if even just fifty dollars a month, we'll record your very own personal episode. Cool. And uh, we can record an episode with you for a hundred dollars a month too. There's wow. some cool rewards. Uh, become a bigger part of the Serious Issues family by by pledging a little bit of support. But the goals we're trying to hit, uh, we've already hit our fifty dollar goal. And fifty dollars a week a, a, a month. That's that's what that's what I was going to charge to um, timestamp all the episodes of Serious Issues, um, which is going to take me about an hour to do each week. Um, I don't, do I want to timestamp every individual comic or should I just do like when we talk about the first issues, the DC issues, the Marvel issues, the image issues, the other, hmm. I think the second, <laughs> <laughs> but if you, uh, if you really want to get disagree. <laughs> value for money and you really want me to ruin my life by, uh, putting way too much evidence and timestamping everything, let me know. Um, after that, we've got uh, we already hit our hundred dollar goal, which was um, starting a mailing list, a series mm-hmm. mailing list, available for Patreon subscribers only, featuring rants and reviews from myself, Siobhan, and other maniacs at King's Comics and beyond. It's going to be fun. Uh, going to be very fun. Um, make, make some some hot dank memes for you to enjoy. <laughs> um, we're also going to uh, for the we're just we're seven dollars shy of hitting our third goal, which is recording a bonus monthly episode focused on a particular character creator or run that we're a fan of that you'll only be, that you'll be able to access as a patron before anybody else is able to. That'll so be probably, really cool. Probably keep those bonus episodes um, kind of patron only for the first month that they're out, mm-hmm. and then make them part of the feed a month after. Um, so yeah, I mean, and and I guess it's up, patrons can actually vote. You know which which character or, or creator or whatever we focus on for those bonus episodes too. Our two hundred dollar goal is recording a Patreon exclusive Q and A, maybe even in video form, uh, featuring questions from listeners just like you. 
Yeah, just like you guys. Uh, $250 a month. Our goal is recording a bonus monthly episode where we interview a creator. Now, if you've been listening to the podcast since the start, we've maybe two interviews and they've only Mm -hmm. been live. Uh, We have kind of started tinkering around with the idea of doing interviews online so we can access a bunch of creators overseas where most of them live Yeah, (laughs) in creator town. USA. Um, but uh, yeah, so that's, that's really exciting. Mm. I think a really cool one to hit. I'm uh, really into it. $300 our reward is recording a monthly video where we talk to you about the top five books of the month as, as picked by us. Yeah. Which is a cool way to kind of surmise what we've really enjoyed mm-hmm. uh, in the podcast. Give you a reminder of the books you should definitely be reading alongside with us. Um, finally, uh, well, not even finally, I've got a few more. $350 a month, we will record another video every week. We go through our top five books that week. It's an encouragement to listen to the episode, I guess. Yeah. Little, little uh, summation. Uh, Four hundred dollars. We're going to make. We're going to open a merch store. Serious issues merchandise. We'll make the first ever serious issues T-shirts and stickers made available to Patreon to patrons first. I really enjoy how many people on the Facebook group have suggested uh, shinbone socks. <laughs> yep. Or shinbone shin guards. Yeah. Also good. Thanks, guys. Um, I also want to make a mug that says fucking hell benders. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, and then finally, our last goal, $500 a month. We'll commit to... to oh, sorry, fuck, it's not even that at all. Well, we go higher than that, do we? We do. Wow. Uh, we'll commit to two Sydney-based serious issues live events at $500 a month. We'll swap meets in a year. Uh, and all patron, patrons pledging over $10 a month will be able to attend for free. And finally, if we hit $1,000 a month, we'll launch a fully fledged serious issues website with articles and contributions and interviews basically you know the com- we'll, we'll turn this podcast into a uh, into a into a website that will rival the likes of bleeding cool <laughs> i'm here to take them down the original hive mind and if Coming we hit for a, you rich johnson if we uh, hit 1000 and well, we'll also commit, um, get cosmetic surgery so we both look like rich johnson yes please um if we hit 1001 i'll create an insane list of even more ambitious goals yay so let's try and hit that one uh, but yeah, please. Um, look, if 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 you are not in the position to support us financially, totally fine. Absolutely Keep doing fine, what you're guys. doing right now. Tune in every week. Maybe tell a friend to leave a review if you can. That stuff's free and helps out in a big way. Or you can always join our Facebook group, which is facebookcom slash group slash Series Podcast. And, and manners uh, are free, guys. That's right. Manners are always free. I don't know why I brought that up, <laughs> but just be polite. No, no, no. Pa- <laughs> be polite. Sure. I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, you're already your mum. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, but uh, yeah, if if you would if you would like to pre- um, you know show your support for the show, your appreciation for what we've done so far and what we'll continue to do for the rest of our years, uh, please hit up patreoncom podcast and uh, see what you can do over there because well uh, you know we'd love to make the family stronger. Yeah. Uh, onwards and upwards, Siobhan. And by that I mean let's talk about those number one issues Woo. that came out last week. Uh, of course, uh, our show begins each week. With First Things First, which is a uh, segment in which we review all of last week's number ones, let you know which have been the best. Uh, I feel like we started with Marvel last week, but I think Marvel had the most number ones again this week, so we may as well go back to the Marvel well. Marvel just aren't listening. (laughs) We're going to talk about some cancellations later on the episode that maybe they are reacting to how many goddamn books they put out on the shelves. Mm. Is it Jim... Oh, Jim, is it over 100 Marvel books on the shelves at King's right now? Or does like, it just feel easily, like that? Easily over 100 Marvel series. If you, easy. Easy. An easy 100. So they, 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 whereas DC would be what, around the 60-ish mark? 60 to 75. Yeah, a very, very achievable number to read. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, What's wrong with us? But yeah, look, much has been said about Marvel's continued you know, spinning off different characters into tiny seasons that are bound to get cancelled or yeah. only, you know... 
only signing up for six six issues at a time, but not mm. being transparent about that. Mm. Just saying, you know, they, they need the one of six instead of just getting a kit to six and going, it's over now, the end. Yeah. But anyway. uh, we got we got a, we got a series that I've been actually quite excited for. This one is called Secret Warriors, um, and uh, even though it ties directly into Secret Empire, oh wait, do you reckon this could exist post Secret Empire? I think it could easily. Like I think that the concept of like the sort of you know, Secret Avengers works fine. Secret Warriors, that's totally, it's totally a cool concept. I think it works especially well in the current Secret Empire. Like, this is the first comic, I think, that actually seems to actively tie into that world. Am I yeah. wrong? Like, it's not a Captain America title. That's right. Um, so... Uncanny Avengers as well. Right, yes. That was also this week. Um, I really enjoyed this. Yeah, so this is... um by um, a great creative team of Matthew Rosenberg and Javier Garon and, uh, of course, our, our boy Trad Moore, oh, one of our favourite favorite artists, uh, did the covers for the next few issues, which is very exciting. Coloured by Matt Wilson. Beautiful. Real good. Um, and this, uh, this book um, basically is all the heroes that are not either trapped in the Dark Force or trapped in space due to Secret Empire or also the Inhumans that flew to space. So there's a lot of... Not many, human, not many heroes are left on Earth um, in the Secret Empire event. Um, so everyone that's in New York that hasn't been stranded elsewhere bands together to uh, help the the cause against uh, Hydra Cap, and uh, this leads uh, leading the team is Daisy Johnson, aka Quake, who uh, was first introduced in I don't remember the movie first. The first thing I ever read of her was Jonathan Hickman and Brian Bendis's Secret Warriors run, which is kind of what this this mm. group this team is referencing, um, and. Uh, she has like uh, earthquake powers with her hands, mm-hmm. and she like at one point either gets her arms chopped off or chopped off or like blasts her arms off. She says so she has like metal hand, metal arms. Now. Cool. This but, is a character that like I know very little about, and what I do know, I don't especially care about because she's like stupid inhuman, stupid shield. And I kind of weirdly assumed that she was a character that came from the TV show. I don't really know why. So I'd she made is, that connection. She is in. Oh, the, she is. In the main, there you go. She, that's she's why like I pretty much the main character of the TV show. And I hate show. that shit, guys. It is um, a good show, guys. Uh, yeah, I'm one sure more it is. episode left Lovely. of this season. Man, Delightful. what a great season! It got renewed. Season four, baby, we did it. <laughs> um. Anyway, this I I really enjoyed her as the as the lead of this book. I think it works insanely well. I think that the sort of um some of the Matthew Rosenberg isms that like I think he does pretty frequently, like the sort of um the panel with the like the Bronx after the takeover. That seems to be a pretty like Rosenberg thing to do. Yeah. But I think it works really, really well in this. The team of like Quake plus Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur plus um Ms. Marvel is like really, really good. Like it's, it's amazing to be able to do a book um, that doesn't have any kind of A-listers and have it be this good, I think. Yeah, totally. And and so also on this team um, is uh, we've got Ms. Marvel, um, we've got uh, Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur, we have Karnak, and then the uh, Inhuman. Oh, yeah, who, Karnak too, sorry. The Inhuman who is a fireboy. Oh, yeah. Uh, Dante? Dante? Inferno. Inferno. Whatever. Um, yeah, so they, these are all Inhuman characters um, and, you know, the, uh, people are, are still quite lukewarm on the idea of Inhumans, but I mm-hmm. think if anything is going to convince them, it might be this book. Yeah. Um, even though it ties directly into Secret Empire, I feel like you could not read Secret Empire and still enjoy this book quite a Absolutely. lot. Absolutely. Because it's just them dealing with a, with a bad threat. Um, there are some great moments of comedy from almost all the characters here. Like, and there's no true straight man on the team. Mm-hmm. Everyone's either like, you know, got a bone to pick with everybody, or is like a little smartass. Or mm-hmm. basically, everyone's a smartass. Basically, everyone's a smartass. Um, and uh, can't you know, like Moon Girl calls, says that Karnak's real creepy, and then he says, "Yes, yes, I am." <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> and I like that that's the like that's the thing that make like Moon Girl being on the team is what makes Karnak go like, ah, no, yeah, okay, I'll come. Yeah. I'll join. Um so I'm heaps into like I'm heaps interested to find out why he is interested in her. Um the art's really, really good, really strong. I don't know this character uh, this artist, sorry, from anything, I don't think. And the colours by um Israel Silver are really really strong as well. Yeah. Great series. Um, really fun. Worth getting just for the covers, but also there's a good, there's a good story inside good, everybody. Yeah, absolutely. And Rosenberg continues to be one of the more promising creators uh, working at Marvel and in comics in general. Yeah, absolutely. I just For some reason, I just decided to Google what he looked like, because that's me. Because um, I was like, what if he's an old man? Because so often that happens to me where I'm like, oh, this guy like writes like really young, like sort of vibrant stuff, and then you look and it's like an old man. But no, no, young man. Yeah, he definitely looks like someone who who was in like a hardcore band a couple of years ago. Yeah, totally. Probably still moonlights every now and then. Got a little beanie in a lot of these pictures. Very New York. Looks like a nice man. Um, also from Marvel this week, we had uh, issue number one of Star Wars Screaming Citadel, which is the uh, team-up book between Luke Skywalker and one of the um, few characters that was created for the comics themselves, uh, Dr. Aphra. This yep. has been written by Kieran Gillen, who wrote and created Dr. Afra um, in his Darth Vader series. And uh, art is by Marco Cicchetto, uh, with colours by Andre Mosa. Uh, I really enjoy the character of Dr. Afra, and obviously I enjoy the character of Luke Skywalker too. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm getting really sick and tired of, uh, of Star Wars comics, because they <laughs> are frequently less good than they were when they started. Um, yes. And I was hopeful going into this issue, because, I don't know, the, the cover looks really enticing, the art on this is great, Cicchetto's an awesome artist. Um, and, uh, you know, Dr. Avro is a great character, so I thought maybe this is the cool kind of thing that grounds all these characters to an interesting comic book story. Uh, this is Luke Skywalker being kind of reluctantly teamed up with Dr. Afra to infiltrate something that is known as the Screaming Citadel, which turns out to be like kind of like a, like a sex planet. <laughs> yeah, like this is a kind of weird element of the Star Wars universe that I'm not super familiar with, which is like this kind of like sexy goth vampire well, okay, yeah. so Sith you, you're not familiar thing. with it because it doesn't exist before right this okay cool yeah, yeah. Um, but I feel like there's an element like there's an undercurrent of weird sexy gothness in Star Wars a little bit isn't it agree to disagree <laughs> <laughs> there are a lot of things going on in Star Wars I don't know if I've ever thought of sexy goth no, maybe, maybe maybe some of the, um, the well, like there's create- a bondage element yeah okay alright thank you um, there's a character that straight up just looks like dead man in yeah the- <laughs> I was really like oh Dead Man's here. Dead Man's in Star That's Wars weird. now. That's um, weird. should do a Dead Man book. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I don't like. I might read another issue of this. I don't. This is this just is a case of this doesn't feel like Star Wars to me. Yeah, totally. Yeah, there's like a uh, there's something weird. Like the the whole plot is um, what's her name? Doctor Afra, basically half kidnapping Luke to be like, hey, come to this sex planet so that because <laughs> um, I need something really unique to show. This queen and you're the queen of sex uh, planet. Yeah, you're a unique force user, and if we show her something unique, she will give us something. What was the thing? Something which is of archaeological significance, which will also allow Luke to find his Jedi teacher. Yeah, great. Um, who cares? Yeah, yeah. Like <laughs> key point. Who cares? Um, I didn't hate this mostly because of the art. I will give it another issue. Yeah, I mean, Kieran Gillen definitely has a track record that suggests maybe we should continue reading this and see where it goes because mm. I really, you know, his, his Vader run was excellent and his Afro stuff's good too. But uh, yeah, this was just, as it went continued, I was like, oh, are they doing this really? Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, also, they should have just been up front and probably, probably would have sold way more issues if they called it Star Wars Sex Planet. <laughs> <laughs> Look, most things should be called 
something colon sex planet. Uh, Rocket issue number one, written by Al Ewing with um, art by Darren. Sh- no, sorry. No, nope. I just said the first name that appeared to me. Um, it's written. It's they've done the. I think it's like the, the final page. They've done a very cinematic thing. Uh, written by Adam Gorham and colors by Michael Garland. Uh, this is a uh, book that absolutely harkens back to the character of Rocket the Raccoon before. Sorry, Rocket Raccoon, not Rocket the Raccoon. Um, otherwise, it should be like Star the Lord. <laughs> Um, but uh, yeah, before he was a guardian of the galaxy, he was just a uh, like a space raccoon who did weird heists and had like a weird bunch of weird alien characters. Yeah, um, I've I've got read an old series that Mike Mignola um, did art on that's referenced at the back of this issue, um, and this takes Rocket back to those roots of just being this way- weird space dude that um, steals shit and like you know does heists in space. Did his team always wear matching suits? I can't remember that much, but I assume so. It's a terrible thing. Oh, otherwise. this thing, the black and red suits? No, that's definitely them trying to, like, you know, reference, like, Reservoir Dogs or something. Yeah, well, that sucks. <laughs> There's nothing stupider than a little raccoon in, like, a Earth person's suit. Like, a formal suit. But he's it's doing really a heist. Silly. Oh, yeah, that's the most practical outfit for a heist. He should be in a... No, but it's just like... He should be in a spandex suit. If you were a cool guy that did heists, you'd wear a suit. That's true. Um, Who says I'm not? <laughs> I didn't heaps like this. I didn't think that the like um the sort of half the book is told in like um like big prose. chunks of prose with like images next to it. I don't really buy Rocket as a like romantic uh that sexy otter lady did me wrong blah 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 and maybe it's just because i don't know enough about the character but especially coming off the previous rocket series which was written by matt uh, rosenberg matt rosenberg exactly which i like hardcore band occasional guitar player (laughs) which like i i think he looks like more of a bassist is that an insult (laughs) a little bit um uh, which i really really loved and like which made me actually really enjoy the character of rocket um i felt really i didn't like this I enjoyed it from a point of view of it just being like a goofy space romp that this is what the character kind of used to be. This when, when I when the Guardians when I got really into the Guardians and the Marvel cosmic stuff years ago, I, I bought a bunch of weird cosmic comics, and this feels pretty well in tone with that. Not mm. like it's not very funny, even though it's trying to be a comedy book. Um, and there's, yeah. a, there's a character that's in an egg. Ugh, that and, sucked. And then he, he was emerged. like Tweety. That sucked. Sorry. Yeah, he was like Tweety, but he has like a clock on his head, and he can explode. And then he goes back in an egg? That doesn't make sense. No, no, he's out of the egg now. Yeah, but like just forever? I guess so. Stupid. He's actually marching on the front cover. So when they were like, the egg, bring the egg, I'm like, oh, that dumb bird that's on the front cover is going to bust out of that, I bet. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. This uh, this was cool for me in a little, in a, in a little bit of a way. Right. <laughs> so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep up with it. Mm, faint praise indeed. <laughs> I don't know. Again, like, like, like I, the reason I'd stick on a Gillen comic, Al Ewing is generally pretty great yeah. uh, in, in the Marvel Cosmic stuff, and he hasn't done anything this silly. So uh, I'm keen to kind of find out at least more of the, his weird backup team mm. who, are, who are all colourful and cool. And it looks like all of their uh, suits get blasted off at the end anyway. So. Oh, thank goodness. That was your biggest problem with this, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, final Marvel book this week is a... Uh, serialized version of a manga that came out um, mm. recently um, called Zombies, Marvel Zombies Assemble. And uh, it was written by um, a, a manga artist called... Um, I'm not going to find it. Yusaku somewhere. Komiyama. That's it. Yusaku Komiyama. Um, and uh, Jim Zub wrote the script for this too. 
Um, but I guess he maybe he did the translation and made yeah. it a bit more modernized or, or sorry Englishized, um, Americanized even. Anglicized. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, so Marvel Zombies number one uh, basically is is a manga in which the um, the cinematic version of the Avengers. Uh, while 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 partying with Tony Stark, uh, their party gets infiltrated by zombies, and um, a few of the Avengers themselves get bitten and start to turn. Mm. Um, it's really simple. It kind of reads like 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 fan fiction. Yeah, in the Marvel universe. Like it just feels like something that you just kind of stumbled along on the internet and be like, "Hey, this is actually pretty good." Yeah, <laughs> I um I, I thought this was really really silly but fun, and it was like I thought the art was really great. Especially the, the the this this version of of a zombie in this yep. book, like at one point the the first zombie like runs to attack one of them and then just slams his head into the wall and his teeth get all crunched up and fall mm. out. Oh, that was that was sweet. Yep. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I I enjoy this kind of like you know, um, two 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 Avengers get taken out like get t- get you know bitten by zombies really really quickly. Well, they're not even bitten. See, this is like that's right. This is a potentially airborne zombie virus. No, touchborne. They, oh, touchborne. Touch right, right, right. Yes. And we don't know where it's originated from. At the beginning of the issue, they think it's originated from inside Avengers Tower because Stark's been... Stark, obviously, like some kind of lunatic, has been messing around with, like, chemicals and when stuff. When will you learn, cinematic when will you Tony learn? Stark? Um, All the problems start with you. <laughs> Most problems in the Marvel Universe start with Tony Stark. I really enjoyed the versions of all these characters. Like, it's funny they did they did a really solid interpretation, like manga interpretation, of most of the dudes. Like, I love the really sort of tired looking um, Tony Stark. But um, Black Widow looks crazy. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> they didn't do a good job of um, getting ScarJo on. They got Pepper Potts okay. But, yeah, uh, but ScarJo does not look like ScarJo. No, I like the bit where. Um, spoiler, guys. Thor is one of the people who gets zombified, and his his eye falls out. And he's like, "Oh, is this yours?" <laughs> and then starts laughing. Yeah, that was, that, yeah. It's very, it's quite absurd actually. A lot of this, and the violence is uh, is pretty full on too, and it's true manga manga fashion. Um, one thing I learned from this comic, and like you know, smack me if I if I if I this is something I should should know, being a long time comic fan. I didn't realize that Jarvis stood for just a rather very intelligent system. I'd never heard that either. <laughs> I really hope it's true. Is it? It's a pretty, pretty recent, recent thing. Okay, cool. All right. It's very funny. Is it, is it a film thing? Maybe it's a, a cinematic thing that I've, that I've tuned out of. Yeah, right. Jim thinks they mentioned it, everybody. Jim's here. Jim. Do you know we have to start paying Jim every time he says a word? Oh, my We've got to stop asking him questions. It's gonna, it's, he's, he's already embezzling all of the Patreon money. Um, he's a very so, irresponsible voice in my head. Those are them, all the Marvel uh, reviews for the week. Um, we've got... <laughs> That's not true. No, no, sorry. Number Marvel one. number ones. One, sorry. We've got one from DC, specifically from Young Animal. This is the latest Young Animal book, a miniseries uh, being uh, written, drawn, and colored by the Allred family. That's so um, cute. The brotherly duo of Lee Allred and Michael Allred um, wrote, or I, I think they wrote it together and Michael Allred did the art. Um, yep. And then, um, and then Laura Allred did the colors. Uh, so this is uh, Bug, The Adventures of Forager. And... You know, they do, DC are doing a lot to celebrate the uh, 100 years of Jack Kirby mm-hmm. and specifically they're doing the, um, what's it called? The Last Man Car... Oh, Commandy? Commandy. The, the, the kind of Commandy monthly series. The Commandy Challenge. Um, but this, I thought, was like very, very successful in being like this very sweet and cool tribute to, to Kirby and my mm-hmm. favorite Kirby DC creation, The New Gods. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have um, everyone from... Uh, like Orion. Orion and all the new Genesis gods and then some other DC heroes kind of uh, 
in in this uh, in the mind of this character called called Bug the Forager. Um, I don't know if he's a character that has existed before this. He's not one that I'm familiar with, um, but it's totally possible. But he fits really nicely into this sort of Kirby esque bizarre dreamscape. Well, I mean, he's essentially just Madman, which is the yeah. Michael Elrod uh, creation. Um, the, the key to enjoying these kind of very fun pop arty. Um, the quite silly dialogue Allred books is always read one issue at a time and read something else. Mm. I bought the um, Madman omnibuses digitally when they were on sale a few years ago and tried to like read them all on a flight and it was so exhausting. <laughs> <laughs> but they're really, really great in, in small doses is what I'm getting at. And this is, uh, this is uh, you know, a very a bit of a head fuck of an issue of this bug who wakes up in his own mind and there are different superheroes and memories and mm-hmm. monsters trying to either murder or, or aid him and mm-hmm. basically they want to wake him to wake up uh, and then when he does wake up he finds himself in another mad world um, he has like weird bug powers uh, mostly the ability to turn, put, put himself into a cocoon yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and bounce around like a, like a little bug uh, this is really fun yeah, really good fun. I'm looking forward. Like, it is confusing, and I think it's one of those ones that just don't think about it too hard. Just go with it, guys, and then you'll really you'll really enjoy it. Tonally, I don't think it really fits with the other young animal books, but I think really? that's a good thing. I kind of a good thing. Uh... I mean, it feels like Cave Carson, I think. Yeah. For me, it's like a more successful version of what Cave Carson is trying to do. Hmm. Um, it, I, I, I love all anything to do with Michael Allred, so... He um, is one of the all-time greats. And uh, Lee Alred actually came on board to finish when, when Matt Fraction left the FF book that Michael Alred was doing art on. Mm. Uh, Lee Alred came on as the writer to finish that series off. So, so it fun. is good to see that team kind of working together again. I mean, they're, they're a family. Mm. So this is the fast, the fate of the furious of comic books. <laughs> it's all about family. Um, also, how speaking of Jack Kirby stuff, how exciting is that um, Tom King, Mitch Gerrard's... Um, Miracle Man yeah. news. I am excited about that, the, guys. The team from uh, Sheriff of Babylon and recent issues of Batman are working together again to uh, do a, yeah, a, a, a Mr. Miracle. Um, sorry, wait, Miracle Man. Mr. Mr. Miracle. Mr. Did Miracle? I say Miracle Man? Fuck, I don't know. Who knows? There's no way of going back and finding out. We'll never know. Uh, Either yeah, way, it's Mr. Miracle. And it looks like it's going to tie into all of the Kirby kind of New Gods creations mm. too, which is super fun. Heaps fun. Uh, so yeah, another good one for Young Animal when we'll be reviewing another of their books later on in the episode. What Lovely. will it be? Uh, Image put out number one this week. Two number ones. Holy smokes. Uh, one of them was written by Colin Bunn because the dude clearly has to read it, write a new series every single week. Calm down, Colin Bunn. It's called Regression. Uh, this uh, one had art by Danny Lockett and uh, Marie Enger. Uh, and this is a, a book about a, uh, a young dude who starts seeing visions of like disgusting bugs and maggots festering in all of his friends' faces. Lovely. And out of the toilet when he throws up in it due to the uh, the visions he's been seeing. Did you read this? Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah cool. sorry. Um, I just left my copy somewhere. <laughs> and uh, a friend of her, his realizes that, uh, you know, he's clearly got something wrong in his head. So she offers to se- help him seek help and takes him to the aid of a hypnotist mm. who basically like... Um, Specializes in past life regression. That's right. And uh, is kind of like suggesting that... Uh, you know, his, re- his, his reincarnated form hasn't quite let go of mm. what his past bodies have done. Um, we then are introduced to some real nasty mystical stuff and uh, a character is found dead at the end, but I won't tell you who. Uh, this is the start of a pretty promising series. I yeah, think. I really like this issue. I think that's a really fun concept. I like the idea of someone's like past life literally coming to kill them. <laughs> yeah. That's a really like hectic but cool idea. Um and the art's really nice on this. Yeah. I really liked it. And as a long-standing member of the Society of Hypnotists, thank you so much for legitimizing my line of work. <laughs> That'd be pretty great if I just became a hypnotist. That would be great. Just gave it all up. 
Yeah, I'd be into it. I would totally support you, man. <laughs> Regression number one, a good little start to uh, that's that's two one for that's two for two that Colin Bunn's put out in the last week. Oh, and then maybe I think the week before that was X Men Blue number one. Oh yeah. So he's uh, he's, he's having a good month, Cully. He sure is. What what was the other one he did? Um, he did. Uh, you didn't read it. The Damned. Oh yeah. The Damned last last week with um uh, through Only Press. Right. It was a good one. Good book. Um. Also from Image this week was season two, number one of Renato Jones, uh, Freelancer, written, created, drawn, coloured and owned by Car Kyle Andrews. Lovely. This was a book that we really enjoyed. It's a completely over the top kind of uh, vigilante against big business. Yep. Anti-one percenter. Um, and it's just, it's so ridiculous, but has quite a lot of heart to it. Mm-hmm. Um the, it's the full package, you know. It's a, it's a, it's a you get a, a massive story where it utilizes every single page to tell a story. You've got pinups, you have fake advertisements for, you know, extremely rich targeting ads that mm-hmm. are quite tongue in cheek. Um, I love the first season. I can't remember that final issue, so luckily uh, they thanks give for you, the recap page. They give you like a, quite a few pages of, of recapping, um, and then get straight into the mostly black and white issue with flashes of color uh, of him trying to save what he thinks is the love of his life. Renato mm. Jones, and uh, we get like we delve into his backstory a bit more, and kind of see that this is actually taking on a uh, mirroring the current state of America. Yeah, where you have a one percenter um, who is now going to run for. Not only does he say he's going to murder the current president of the mm. United States, he's going to then run to be the president himself. Yep, and he uh, says he's going to make America hate again. Yeah, very which is so awesome. <laughs> yeah, I really really love this series. I think that this was probably the strongest. Like narratively, mm. um, of the whole series, um, which I really appreciated because sometimes his like his his art is so um, expressive that sometimes it can be a little bit hard to follow what's going on. So I think that this was like a really great beginning to the season. I'm really excited to see where it goes. And thanks for the page where he's nude. Yes, got a weird looking dick. FYI, sure, sure does. <laughs> no um, pubes. We also get a um, a uh, a weird poster. Because there's uh, all of Image Books kind of celebrating Spawn at the moment. Seems that way. There's a, a lot of a lot of books I got this week had black and white colors mm. that were meant to be tying into Spawn's yeah, love yeah, of yeah. black and white comics. Is I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Is Spawn black and white? I don't I've know. Read, I've like, never read any. Spawn. I've read two Spawns and listened to the soundtrack. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but they have uh, they have um, Renato Jones dressed as Spawn, saying Spawn on this. Nice. Instead of his catchphrase, choke on this. <laughs> Real fun. This is a great book. It's so yeah. silly, but so good at the same time. Totally. Uh, over to Boom this week. We've got a new Boom Box title, which is their like pretty much like always good mm. all ages thing. I was. Even I think th- it's kind of almost like. Sorry, I was just thinking about this because we were trying to figure out the difference between Boom Box and Boom Kaboom. Kaboom. That's I think right. Kaboom is slightly younger leaning. I think yep. that Boom Box is like they're more Teens. sort of teen. Uh, so previous Boom Box titles that we've enjoyed include uh, Lumberjanes. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Goldie Vance, mm-hmm. uh, Backstages, mm-hmm. Giant Days. Um, and uh, this is a brand new one called Misfit City. And it's written by uh, Kirsten Kiwi-Smith and Kurt Lusgarten with uh, illustrations by Naomi Frankwiz and Colors by Brittany Peer. Um, this is a book that um, pays homage to The Goonies. Mm-hmm. Which well, You have gone on record on saying you hate that movie on this podcast No, before? goodness gracious. I would okay. be... Fired from King's Comics, if I right, said sure. that. <laughs> so, uh, in this book, um, it's a bunch of uh, teenage characters who live in the uh, town in which a movie called The Gloomies mm-hmm. was shot, and um, idiot kids from all around America constantly come to their town 
because they they love the movie and wanted to see all the the sights from the movie, but no one actually respects anyone in the town mm-hmm. or what the town is itself. Um, and it sounds like it's a pretty boring town to live in. Yes, that's right. But um, you have like a. Uh, I guess like a gender swapped teenage version of Goonies. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a, a collection of of teenage girls who um, stumble upon one of them works in the kind of museum dedicated to all the gloomy stuff, mm-hmm. and um, a, a man dies and donates all uh, a, a chest, like a treasure chest, essentially to the museum, and uh, they find a treasure map. So even though they are so reluctant, most of them are reluctant to do so. Uh, things happen, and mm-hmm. they convince themselves that maybe it's time to go on an adventure. Everybody, let's find this goddamn treasure. I loved this so much. Like one, like probably standout book of the week for yeah. me. Yeah, this was like, um, I think that a lot of like books starring young women sort of fall into that trap of like, oh, this one looks like this, and so that's her personality, and this one, you know, this one's in a band, and so that's her personality. Yep. And I think that this does an amazing job of like all these women have sort of um, strong signifying elements to their personalities but they feel well realized like they you know it, it's kind of that tip of the iceberg thing where like you feel like there's backstory you feel like they're you genuinely feel their friendship you genuinely feel like these are all real characters um, and i loved it yeah and like the dialogue especially i mean this is something that we mm. always give commentary on is when people write older writers write younger characters mm-hmm. and the dialogue just feels like someone that like read twitter for an hour and goes i've got it <laughs> like uh, this all the dialogue in this feels very real yep. um and uh, the relationships that all these characters have feels real as well like yeah. uh, you know you, I've, I've i've had arguments with over stupid trivial stuff like the characters in this i've mm-hmm. had with my friends when i was younger and still do all the time um <laughs> i really loved uh because this is co-written um, by a, a lady and a dude. And um, uh, so in their bios at the back of the illustrator, Naomi Franquiz, uh, her bio is queer Latina il- illustrator from salty Florida, likes warm sweaters and laments the minimal op- opportunities to wear them. <laughs> uh, Kirsten Kiwi Smith is a lady screenwriter who did uh, Legally Blonde, 10 Things I Hate About You, lives in Los Angeles. Whoa! Yeah, did pretty she huge. really? He- yeah. I love both those movies, guys. <laughs> that was the loudest word I've ever Sorry. <laughs> but he explains why this is such a good issue. Um, she lives in Los Angeles, partners in life, and dog parenting with uh, fellow writer Kurt. So there are a couple that wrote Cute. this book. But Kurt's bio is just writer, co-dog parent, has a deep love for the Goonies. Great. Legally Blonde is like a perfect movie, guys. Sorry. Continue. <laughs> would you read a Legally Blonde, blonde comic Yes, book? I should fucking we, would. We ask, We're getting we a Clueless to? comic soon. Really? Mm-hmm. Fetch. Wait, no. Fuck. Wrong teen movie. God damn it. What is? What is? What You're is... the worst teen girl of all time. <laughs> I've, I've definitely seen Clueless more than uh, Mean Girls, but I can't think of uh, Cher's um, catchphrase. Just know, does like, she really have? Does like, she have a catchphrase? Really? Rolling with the homies. I did. Yep. It. There we go. <laughs> Misfit City number one. Who can't drive. <laughs> That's way harsh, Siobhan. <laughs> <laughs> Misfit City number one. Um, massive ten thumbs up from me. Absolutely. I grew eight more thumbs just to give it to. He's such book. a freak. Um, it's my mutant ability. Uh, yeah, really, really great. And another, like, actually, like, you know, I've, I've been thinking about because I, I used to do a lot of writing. Um, and now all I do is write about restaurants and it's boring and I want to write about fun <laughs> stuff again. And I was thinking about pitching a few comic-based ideas to a, a pop culture website in Australia that I think would be well, open to having these. Or maybe I could save them up for our, our Serious Issues website eventually. Yeah. Maybe I'll get paid to do it on one and repost it on the other. Whoa. How crafty. Um, but uh, I think uh, an article about how effortlessly Boombox as an imprint is introducing us to protagonists and heroes that aren't like cis white dudes. Yeah, absolutely. And like, but like, it's they don't. 
this is a gross phrase, but like they're not they don't rub your face in it or whatever. No, it's totally. It's not in your face like that. These like you know I don't know like they 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 are they are such effortlessly often queer comics in which yes. these themes are just dealt with in such a mature and fun yeah. manner. I think it's I think it's always refreshing when you get um, a queer character and their entire personality isn't that they're queer. Like yes, they exactly. have other stuff going on, other depth, and them being queer isn't their primary motivation in it either. Like it's not like I really loved it when Kevin Keller was introduced that it was just he was just immediately accepted. There wasn't a whole story arc about everyone going like, Oh no, there's a gay in Riverdale. What, what am do I we going do? to do? Like yeah. <laughs> backs of the walls, everyone. I don't know, sorry. Um but I think that this is like a great example of that sort of thing. Yeah, and, and Boombox and, and, are doing a really follows, solid job. Yeah, follows a long line of, of comics that, that are just that's just their, their, their you know one of their many mission statements. First yeah. and foremost, it's to tell a good story, absolutely featuring these different characters. It's awesome, really um, good. Yeah, my favorite, probably my favorite book. Someone someone has asked me to say that we should say like what our favorite book each week was. My favorite this week was Misfit City. That's really nice. Um, I don't know if it was mine, but I liked it. <laughs> well, I like just being like, fuck it, just, yeah. just committing to it, even though if it maybe wasn't. I know you do. it was. <laughs> uh, Valiant this week put out another one-shot quote, Eternal Warrior Awakening, written by Robert Venditti, who we've been enjoying on Green Lantern Corps each week. Uh, Renato Guedes and Ulysses Areola. <laughs> I don't know if that's his name. Uh, Areola? I hope it's Ulysses Areola. <laughs> uh, they were the I'm guys sorry for laughing art. at that name if your name is Areola, but that's pretty funny. That's awesome if it is. Um, it's a good. It's a good part. It's good. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've not read much um, about the uh, Eternal Warrior, although this is the second one shot that I've uh, had to read for the podcast in the last month. Mm. Uh, Alexi and I read another one that was all about the Eternal Warrior throughout time. But basically, he is a uh, a warrior who can't die. There you go. Done. Summed up. If only there was a way I could say it in only two words. Oh, we can. <laughs> Eternal Warrior. Um, this was uh, a book set in olden times, so- sword and sandal times. <laughs> All the times is my favorite era. <laughs> um, you studied history, right? Uh, modern history. <laughs> I refer to everything pre pre uh, pre World War Two. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's olden times. Um, oh, I'm so glad you said that this was a one shot because I was like, man, a lot happened in this issue. You could have slowed it down a little. I bit. assume it was a one shot. It just kind of ended, and then it started previewing books that had nothing to do with this issue. Mm. Um, but it did say the end. Right. Okay. And, there you go. Or just end. Well, then we've got to assume. Um, I, uh, yeah. I so, thought this was fine. It was totally fine. I, I, genu- I generally don't care about an, a, like a character who has to like butcher his way through a bunch of other warriors. Yeah. It's something so duty and... Like, yeah. I, I, you know, I, I, I get that it's fun one, every now and then, but there have been so many examples of this before. I thought after enjoying how cool and refreshing the Exo Manowar book that mm. Matt Kent's writing at the moment is, I was hoping this would be kind of this, that version of, for the, for the eternal warrior. But instead it's just kind of this, like, I don't know if, is this a prelude for an actual eternal warrior series in which he's transported to our times, which I think is what that character does. I don't know. I don't know, man. Um, yeah. Instead we, it finishes and then we get a preview for some comic called secret weapon written by Eric Hesier and Roll Allen that I actually thought looked pretty fun. Yeah, I really liked that. I didn't know what it was about, but I enjoyed it. And Patricia Martin on art. Yeah, that was cool. that looked really fun. Uh, Valiant, what are you doing? Mostly good stuff. but <laughs> And this was fine. The yeah. end. Good job. <laughs> uh, what have we got left? Um, let's do it, guys. We're going to talk about the oh, cool... See, I'm a huge jerk because I just actively refuse to read any of those number ones. Ghostbusters Funko Universe. I'm not going to do it, guys. AKA Siobhan's Nightmare, the comic. It is my nightmare. Uh, and indeed, probably the nightmare of everyone that works in comic book stores, rapidly seeing these 
big-headed fucks taking over their stores. <laughs> We're King's Funko Pops, guys. Uh, like, the, their business motto is, hey, you know those characters you like? Imagine if their heads were fucking cubes. Yeah, <laughs> Give totally. us your money. Nah, Funkos are fine. Um, Ghostbusters <laughs> Funko Universe number one. Imagine a world in which the Ghostbusters were Funko Pops. That's it. Great. <laughs> it's an all-ages comic for, for, for kids whose parents force them to watch Ghostbusters. Uh, in which the, the the team of now cube-headed Ghostbusters get sent to Japan to take on a bunch of ninjas and samurais who are ghosts. Sounds awesome. You know what? I take it back. Comic of the week. <laughs> uh, over to Dark Horse now for another book that just meant nothing to me that I'm sure Siobhan didn't even bother. No, I didn't. Because Dra- I don't read tie-ins to video games. Dragon Age, Knight Errant. Dragon Age is a video game series that I'm sure people love. I've not read any of it before. This is written by Nunzio De, De Filippis, Christina nice. Weir, Fernando <laughs> Hines, Furukawa, and Michael Atia. You nailed all of those. I smashed it. I nailed all of them. <laughs> Wink. Whoa. Uh, it, was my, it was my Knight Errant. Uh, <laughs> uh, this, uh, this book, for a book that has Dragon Age in the title... Doesn't have any dragons in it. Boo. End of review. Boo. <laughs> Red Rising, Sons of Ares, by the prequel to the New York Best Time New York Times bestselling series by Pierce Brown. Fuck this book. The end. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was fine. Not really. I don't know what. It was one of those books about like a future society with like mysticism. That I'm sure if I've read the book, it would mean something to me. Yeah. That was pretty good actually. And in fact, the first few pages, I was like, oh, cool. This looks like it's going to be good. And then it wasn't. Yeah. It was just I don't know. Although I do get his hand chopped in half. Cool. Like, so he loses all his fingers, but then he just has, like, this stumpy triangle coming off his wrist. That's pretty cool. <laughs> and, like, a it's little terrible. bit of a thumb. Uh, it's not a good way to treat your hands, I'll tell you that nah, much. I'll Those are that. our reviews for number Ninja. ones that came out last week. First Things First <laughs> is the name of that segment. We do it every week, and uh, it always, in that manner, starts with books that we really loved and trails off into books <laughs> that I should not even bother reviewing, but I do anyway. You can find us online, <laughs> facebook.com slash Serious Issues Podcast, or join our group, facebook.com slash group slash Serious Issues Podcast. Uh, was that inspiring enough for you to, be, to give us some money? If so, <laughs> patreon.com slash Serious Issues Podcast. On to the re- most beloved segment of serious issues, and that is roll the dice. Uh, although someone suggested, after I put up a picture, you know those fidget spinner things? Oh, yeah. So they've been banned in schools, and I just find them very funny. What they are is like a dumb toy that you spin around your hands, and apparently it's for fidgeting. Um, uh, yeah, I don't, I like, I just feel, I feel so old all the time. I don't, what, what is that? What is that for? Well, so there's a new trend in tech, Siobhan. Siobhan. <laughs> Uh, in, that was mm. me mashing up Siobhan and, and, and Shinbone. Thank you. Um, and, and that's I'm going to address you as for yeah. every week now. Um, where, uh, in fact, the, the first I ever saw was uh, I was uh, when I recorded an episode with Mr. Sunday Movies uh-huh. in his man cave in Melbourne. Lovely. Um, he just received and was the proud owner of a fidget cube. And oh. it looks like a dice almost. Mm-hmm. And um, you had like, like all these different things on each face of the, of the cube that you could like distract your fingers with so like little dials and things that spin mm. around and it's for like if you're a fidgeter do this instead of like just doing the pretty inconspicuous thing of just like fiddling with your fingers i guess yeah like i just don't feel like it's getting to the heart of the issue but the you know fidget spinners I mean? are like these like like looks like they look like a ninja weapon yeah and they just spin all around. of the like all of the like 18 year old king staff have them and i'm like what is this i don't understand i'm so old do you know that they were born in like 97 or something disgusting like that like it is because guys the um the owner of king's comics he has triplets and i have known them since they were like prepubescent now they all work here and have beards except for lexi who is a girl she does not have a beard but it is terrifying and horrifying to me 
Um, and they all have fidget spinners. They all have fidget spinners. Also, the first time I ever saw them, they all had, um, when I used to, was, was a mere customer of King's Comics. Yeah. They used to um, glide around the store on roller skates. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Those, they all like, had Heelys. That was so <laughs> funny. Uh, oh, yeah. man. And they never listen to this podcast, so it's fine. Yeah, no, nah, we can make fun of them so much. <laughs> Nick's a dummy. <laughs> Just Nick, that's all? Yeah. Poor Nick. Um, so, um, uh, the reason I bring that up is that someone suggested that we should spin a fidget spinner instead of rolling the dice to the side. Oh, uh, right. If we talk Sam about- has a fidget... Don't you have a fidget spinner? Hey, Sam. I have a cube. When were you oh, born? Oh, she has a cube. She has a fidget, fidget cube. cube. When were you born? 93. Dis- 93. Uh, less disgusting than that. Nah, that's still pretty bad, though. <laughs> um... Anyway. That was like two years after you were born. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, so, uh, anyway, the great, great aside, uh, we're going to roll, roll a cube. for now. <laughs> Roll a cube with numbers on it <laughs> for uh, Marvel, Image, or DC. If it's one or two, we talk about Marvel first. If it's uh, three or four, we talk about Image first. And if it's five or six, we talk about DC first. And the first number is one, so Marvel. Second number is one, so we talk about Marvel twice. <laughs> Uh, then it's three, so we do Marvel, Image, and DC. Nice. Which I feel is always how we do this every yep. time, all week. It's delightful. <sighs> Marvel this week. Siobhan, where do I start? Goodness gracious. That was a lot. Um, let's talk about the end of a series that yeah. um, I've enjoyed immensely. Uh, the Uncanny Avengers, issue 23, is the finale of this series by Jerry Duggan and Pepe Larraz. Um, this is the uh, team of... They kind of followed on from Rick Remender's um, Uncanny Avengers run, but in, where that one was like, you know, the team up of... Uncanny X-Men and the Avengers to kind of like create like a unity squad mm-hmm. that showed that these two could, could fight together hand in hand. This also added an Inhuman uh, because that's Cause the, the Marvel landscape as, as we know it. So at the moment, the team is Rogue, the Wasp, Doctor Voodoo, Deadpool, Quicksilver, the Human Torch, Synapse, and Cable. And um, after defeating Red Skull... Um, Rogue was so happy and, and, and impressed with Deadpool that she gave him a big smack on the mouth with yep. her lips, Whoa. not her fist this time. And in doing that, uh, you know, basically, you know, if Rogue kisses, kisses you, she sucks the life force out of you. Yeah, because so Deadpool it's really has, not like, that much of a reward. Well, I mean, let Deadpool can handle it is what I'm saying. And uh, not only did he handle it, but remember how Wonder Man was stuck in, uh, in Rogue's body? I didn't. Uh, but happened, that this reminded me many many issues ago, and um, basically Deadpool sucks Wonder Man out of um, out of Rogue's body. And, uh, it sounds ridiculous. <laughs> but that it was also actually, sounds way more graphic than it actually was. It was more of like a sort of um, he suddenly spiritual appears. thing. Yeah. Um, but this is just it just that that the description there it is just sums up this this what this run has been. These like things that should be terrible and stupid. Yeah. And so over the top comic booky. We're just done with like a weird kind of grace that has made me appreciate Jerry Duggan as a writer so much. And mm. I will now read pretty much every book he does. Mm. <coughs> um, kind of also is, this is like the final farewell to pre secret empire Marvel. Yeah. Um, as we move into a bold new terrain, <laughs> uh, this is a nice little, you know, it is, it is nice to see it, that final team moment where they kind of remember how good they were as a team. At one point, mm-hmm. one of them holds a photo with what they were like before they, before these, Grim days that they that, that they've just gotten fought them, fought their way out of. There's a photo of them all in together, you know, because that's that's what you do when you start a superhero. Oh yeah, team. absolutely. Everyone's like, everyone, let's take a selfie. Jarvis, take this goddamn photo. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, this was fun. Yeah, this was a nice this was a nice closeout to that series. And uh, if you were you know looking for a fun um, Marvel team up book, mm. um, I would highly recommend the entirety of Uncanny Avengers. So is this because there's a on the back page it says next issue 
So does that mean that this is continuing in the yeah, Secret maybe, Empire universe? Do I universe? just like fondly farewell? Do we just, yeah, I think we just farewell the book that's like just going on forever. Um, so I'm looking up Uncanny Avengers issue number 24. Um, and I need to start reading previews again, guys, because I've been surprised by many things. Oh yeah, there is one coming out. <laughs> so I got, okay, yep, cool. Fuck that farewell. Okay, cool. Don't take it back, everybody. Um, goodbye, nothing. Um, hello, hello, Secret Empire. But it's... Oh, here we go. I, I was right to say goodbye to it because the next issue was written by Jim Zub and uh, uh, art by Kim Jacinto. So it's Jerry Duggan. D- Jerry Duggan's farewell. And right, I, okay. I, I, he was what I liked the most about this book. So, And I loved Happy Loraz's art on this yeah. too. So yeah, um, well done to both of them for creating a, a great series against all odds. Yep. By that I mean all the ridiculous events that we have to uh, see our favorite books partake in mm-hmm. over at Marvel. Hmm. Speaking of Marvel, the rest of these books... <laughs> Do you want to pick one to talk about next? Um, yeah, I mean, should we talk about Avengers, seeing as we're in an Avengers-y, yeah, cool. Avengers-y so mood? I hadn't read this, and then I came in, and I saw it on the shelf, and I was like, fuck, I better read this. And yeah, I, totally. I to it, and I'm really glad I did. This has one of my favorite things um, ever in superhero comics, which is someone saying stuff on the cover. I love that. So this cover has um, sexy Doom. Also known as the what's his name? Infamous Iron Man. Infamous it Iron literally Man. says that on the thing that you were oh, saying. Oh yeah, so good. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, um, I was like the irredeemable Iron Man. No, um, but so it says from this day forth, Avengers, you work for the infamous Iron Man, um, which is not really what happens in this book. Uh, yeah, in fact, uh, Doom, um, aka Infamous Iron Man, uh, rocks up to the Avengers to ask for their help, and um, the majority of the Avengers are like, "Fuck this, let's take him down, everybody on my mark." Uh, but um, uh, what's her name? Nadia Pym, aka mm-hmm. what's it? The irredeemable wasp. wasp. <laughs> <laughs> I think she's just wasp. No, it's what's her book called? Something the like wasp. But she's oh, the unstoppable wasp. wasp. Unstoppable wasp. Unstoppable wasp. Um, she uh, she's like hold on a minute because she loves geniuses. And uh, are you the doom? Did you create a time machine? Can we talk? And then the next panel is suddenly uh, I- Iron Doom uh, sitting down. In uh, Avengers Mansion or Avengers Tower, whatever the fuck it is, having um, tea, having tea with his pinky pinky finger extended. He's very polite. He is very polite. I've, do you ever? We drink tea every week when we record. Do you ever do that? Um, it's uncomfortable. It doesn't look good. If, if I, yeah, sometimes I realize I'm doing it unintentionally because I'm really unintentionally fancy. Right. Um, but anyway, this has art by Phil Noto. That's what. If, which is if you had delightful. a book, it would be called the unintentionally fancy <laughs> Shinbone. <laughs> yes, please. Uh, yeah, Phil Noto filling in for. Um, uh, what's his name? Ulysses Ariola. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Mark Del, Mike Del Mondo. Mike Del Mondo. Oh, yeah. Yep. Um, which is actually a pretty good fill-in. And this is um, notable because this is... Phil notable. <laughs> um, Nadia really didn't annoy me in this issue. Which is even funnier because I was like, oh, Nadia is way more in line with her character yeah. in her book. And this is co-written. Yeah, Jeremy Whitley and Mark Wade wrote this uh, together. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so Jeremy Whitley is the writer of the, un, the uh, was it Accidentally Fancy Unstoppable. Wasp? <laughs> Unstoppable Wasp. Um, but yeah, I really enjoyed this. I thought this was a really fun issue. And further kind of cemented, I'm coming to quite enjoy this incarnation of Victor Von Doom as the infamous Iron Man. Yeah, but I will still never like accept people just going like, Doom just showing up being like, yeah, sorry I was so evil for all these years. I guess I'm not now, though. Everyone just trust me. And everyone going, okay. But would you rather that or would you rather like an issue of him, much like uh, you you know, didn't want an issue of Kevin having to you know, prove to everybody mm. in uh, Riverdale that he was a good dude despite being gay? <laughs> are, you, are you comparing <laughs> yes, I, uh, no, Doom like destroying in, no, the Marvel yeah, universe? Homosexuality and, e- and evil. <laughs> 
<laughs> Sorry, terrible metaphor. Levens. Um, but no, what I'm saying is I, I don't want a uh, an, an issue of Doom having to prove himself to every single character in the Marvel Universe. No, yeah, that's fair. I would just rather he device. wasn't fucking Iron Man and he wasn't handsome. <laughs> Stupid and annoying. But anyway, I liked this issue. Do you like when Spider-Man <laughs> called him Scarface? Yes, I did. Or, or used to be Scarface. Yes, that was it? pretty funny. Um, but yeah, this in- involves the uh, uh, Wasp infiltrating uh, the Sue Storm camp for women, mm-hmm. young women, teenage women. Um which I thought was a cool thing that exists in the Marvel Universe. Yeah. Susan Storm, Camp for Girls Leadership. Um, really cute. Because uh, Victor Von Doom, because of course he monitors these things because he loves Sue Storm. Yep. Um, just like Namor. And Everyone does. And Reed. Um, uh, he, he's, he's been monitoring the camp and notices that something is amiss and uh, it involves a seance. Or mm-hmm. like, some, like, like a kind of you know, weird... Evil uh, magic stuff Evil magic. On. And uh, oh, this is really good and, and made me like the Wasp character more. Absolutely. You're still reading a book, right? Yeah. Last issue was really good. <laughs> okay. It's one of those things where I drop things and then kind of go, why did I drop that? Mm. Because I read too many comics. That's why. Hey. Black Panther and the crew is a comic I don't even need to drop Ugh. because they just announced after only releasing two issues that it's been canceled after six issues. So we're going to get six issues of this run. Although I have a theory that maybe they only solicited six issues to begin with. Maybe, but I'm still disappointed. Um, there I'm was... disappointed that it's like, if it was originally only solicited for six issues, I'm really disappointed in Marvel for like, um, announcing this as a cancellation because I think that it just bolsters that shitty like oh diverse diverse titles don't sell kind of nonsense bullshit um, excuse that's been flying around. It's less about, I mean, sorry, it's far less about. Obviously, diversity does sell, like mm. you know, and and if you market it right, especially it sells incredibly well. Absolutely. Um, but uh, I think the the, the bigger thing is that like and this is this is one of the few points made up in one of those like you know made in one of those uh here's everything marvel is doing wrong rants that i always accidentally read (laughs) um but they were saying that you know as soon as marvel establishes a fan base they completely like ruin that fan base's kind of uh uh desire to read more of this character by by releasing so many tie-ins and different books related to it so ta-nehisi coates started this black panther run a year ago and, you know, less than six months into that run, we got the World of Wakanda tie-in series, which mm-hmm. we enjoyed. Yeah. I mean, it was a cool mini-series. Um, and then shortly after that, um, announced that they were doing Black Panther and The Crew, which is uh, harking back to Christopher Priest's uh, run on The Crew. Um, I don't know I don't know why they didn't just call this run The Crew. I feel like, yeah, like having Black Panther on the, on the, on the, on the t- cover of this, I don't, I don't know if it really would get more sales. I don't know. Maybe it would. Mm, um, hard to say. I reckon they thought it would. But, like, beyond, you know being annoyed that it's been cancelled. I really enjoyed this issue. This is unreal. It's uh, Ta-Nehisi Coates writing with Yona Harvey, who is a, a poet, I think, um, uh, penciled by Butch Geist with uh, Mac Chater um, alongside him doing some of the art. We've really enjoyed him on Briggsland recently. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, inks by Scott Hanna and Mac Chater, um, colours by Dan Brown, uh, the guy who wrote... Um, uh, Angels and, that's right, <laughs> Angels and, and Demons. Demons. That's right. He's, he's doing go. much much cheaper work now. Uh-huh. Um Black Panther and the crew um, has done this great thing. Essentially, this is, this is the team-up. Eventually, this will be the team-up of Storm, Black Panther, Luke Cage, Manifold, and Misty Knight. But um, the first issue was all about Misty Knight um, uncovering Storm's um, kind of like undercover alias. Mm-hmm, in Harlem. Um, and now we're still in, for the most part, we're in Harlem in this issue too. Um, it's pretty much just Misty and Storm teaming up. Buddy cop kind of yeah. stuff. And um, then it, it's all also about this, this mystery... Um, of uh, what's his name um, Ezra Keith who's a prominent activist in, in Harlem with connections to weird mystical shit too as we learn more about his history um, the end of this issue um, uncovers uh, 
Black Panther kind of secretly living in Harlem in like some weird basement. Undercover base. But, oh man, there's nothing funnier than like Black Panther in his full suit. Like, I love that suit. Hello. <laughs> hello, ex-wife. Um, and uh, I guess the next issue will also introduce Luke Cage as well to the team. And finally, we'll get our Manifold issue. That's the only thing I don't like about this. Start with Manifold, introduce the rest of them, because I want Manifold. More, More Manifold. Manifold. More Manifold. Um, yeah, this is a really good series. And it's a, I guess, like, you know, we're going to see the end of the story, which mm. is fine. That's good. But it's annoying because the first story arc is obviously going to be, like, getting the crew together. And then they don't even have a chance to do any missions. Yeah. Which Dumb. they definitely should because they're they're a cool they're cool characters. Yeah, not sure. Is this a variant? Why is Black Panther punching Captain America? Oh, I get it because Secret Empire. Yeah, even though this has nothing to do with Secret Empire. Black but Panthers. it's a really nice John Cassidy cover. That's right. Um, anyway, good issue. Um, and it's a bummer that like, Marvel are canceling this. Yep, canceling is always such a hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Italicized word when they do cancel things these days. Like a, like yeah. yeah I, don't, I don't know if this is, a, this is a, as big a bummer as the Nova series getting cancelled, um, just because you could tell they had a lot to tell with this story. But whereas yeah. it feels like they're going to wrap up this mystery and then provide like a clean exit point. Who knows? Maybe Tanahisi Coates had massive things planned, um, but he spoke on on the cancellation online. If you want to go look that up, uh, X Men Blue this week was another book that I didn't read until I saw it on the shelves as I came into the store today to record. Uh, Cullen Bunn on Jorge Molina with Ray Anthony Height and Matt Miller on colors. That um, was a jarring change midway through the book. Yeah, they just switched artists for the last couple of pages. And it's suddenly I understand. Kind of that, yeah, it's a double shipping book, so I totally get it. Um, but also, just don't do double shipping. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna go out on a limb here and say that I really enjoy Jean Grey's haircut. Yeah, but I liked it better when Melina was drawing it. Yes, so yeah, and so not all um, not all artists, including the artist that was on the Jean Grey book last week, mm. uh, are good at drawing her new haircut. But I think Jorge, Jorge it's very Melina like is great. Ramona Flowers. Yeah, it's pretty much Ramona's hair. Yeah, that's right. I, I think Jamie McKelvey designed all of their new looks. So look, he's a very good redesign artist. I like their costumes too. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, this is this is the time displaced original X Men, which is a disgusting phrase to say, but uh, it's actually a surprisingly <laughs> great comic and easily my favorite of the new X books. Uh, although we will we can talk about Wolverine next, which is still very good. Um, but uh, 
yeah, this is just like it just like it feels like really simple. It's about it's a, it's very like kind of like teen drama infused, which is what X Men books should be to me. Um, and the threats are kind of like classic X Men. Um, basically, uh, Bastion, who is like a you know, I guess a pretty a lot of these are very very big nineties X Men mm. villains showing up in this series. Um, but uh, Bastion uh, used to, is like a robot that hunts mutants, but he's realized that with mutants now at their lowest level of uh, existence. Um, given the, uh, like all the Terrigen P mists that have been killing them off and that kind of thing, he's realized that he, soon he won't have any mutants left to hunt. So he has reprogrammed a bunch of Sentinels to protect mutants so he can build their numbers up again and then destroy them. I'm not sure whether I appreciate that like this was a kind of one and done issue. Like like Bastion escapes at the end of it, so I'm assuming we see more of him, but it, this felt like a very self-contained issue. Yeah. Or do I wish it was stretched out a little bit more over an arc? I think... I think what you know because we do, we don't see any of Magneto who is who is kind of like the main kind of driving force of the the, the last issue and the mm-hmm. and the kind of big cliffhanger of the la- of the first issue. I like the idea of them building up all these big plot points and then just moving to another one and then letting more come to a head together. Maybe yeah, it doesn't like like I said, it ends in in one issue, but it doesn't feel rushed. No, no, not at all, not at all. This was like a I I did enjoy this issue. I like the idea of um, Sentinels in this in this series not being sent to kill them. Yeah. Um, yeah although i like i I do i don't know i don't know it's so hard to like do anything new in comics and superhero comics ever but it would be kind of cool to not just retread old x-men stories you know what i mean yeah but i mean even when they're trying to do new stuff over on x-men gold it still feels like an an old x-men book yeah and i feel like isn't that their mission statement to make the x-books old again yeah (laughs) yes um, speaking of X-Books, Wolverine, ish, all new Wolverine, obviously, uh, by uh, issue number 20 by Tom Taylor with Leonard Kirk on pencils and uh, inks by three different people and two colorists um, and a cover by Adam Cubitt. Um, but uh, this is uh, the second issue of this um, kind of new um, story called Immune in which uh, an alien, uh, a sick alien comes to Earth, lands on an island of Manhattan. Um, sorry, an island of New York. I don't know which particular one. Uh, Roosevelt Island, um, and says says Wolver- says the name of um, of Laura Laura Kinney, and then dies, and then immediately starts spreading a terrible terrible virus like through the air, and so horrifyingly pe- quickly. People on this island are starting to die, and um, the Shield and the government want to just nuke the island, kill everybody on it mm-hmm. to stop the um, contagion from spreading. But at the end of this issue, Wolverine realizes that. Um, her healing factor can kind of cancel out. She can take on the vi- the, uh, the virus, and uh, maybe this is the answer. This is maybe this is why the alien came to Earth and said her name. Mm. Um, it's a I cute, like it's a cute little story. It's just Absolutely. like this is a very solid story, but like it's actually like like what you just said. It feels new. Yep, I've not seen a story like this before. Absolutely, it's like um, it's just a little three issue arc. So we're going to see it wrap up in the next issue. I'm heaps into that. I think that like the continuing relationship between Gabby and Laura works really, really well. Um, and I think it's like a really lovely. It's just a really good book. Tom Taylor's done great work with this. I think. Yeah, and it ties into with a lot of other um, Marvel characters. Um, so you've got Ironheart, who was first on the scene that discovered the alien first and foremost. So she's still sticking around, mm-hmm. and then uh, giving offering their scientific advice is like a, a roundtable via Skype of um, of Amadeus Cho, Doctor Henry McCoy, aka Beast, uh, Barbara Morse, aka Mockingbird. Mm-hmm. I like that she was included. Yeah, um, Nadia Pym, aka Wasp. Peter Parker, aka Spider-Man, and Doctor Strange. Okay, Doctor Strange. 
are all offering their advice. And plus, you've got also got Tony Stark's AI um, hanging around and mm. uh, not being as annoying as he is in other books. Mm. Good issue. Yeah. Fun run. Heaps enjoyable. Do you read Guardians of the Galaxy Mother Entropy number two by Jim Starlin and Alan Davis? This is real fun. It feels like a proper throwback series. I don't really have much more to add to this um, than, than to what I did last week when I reviewed issue one, but. Uh, it just I think this is way more successful as at referencing a, a Guardian's time forgotten than the Rocket Book number one was this week. Mm. Um, but basically Pip the Troll has um, transported the Guardians team to an accidentally to a, to a dimension in which they are they're all being have to be sub- subjected to tests to um, work out who will be this dimension's mother entropy and be the mother of a new cosmic being or some shit. <laughs> You, you will have the sacred honor of shepherding this reality's children into the flock. And so they all get weird tests. Um, so it's basically they, they get, get put in weird situations like Drax has his arms and legs chopped off in his mind. Cool. And has to face Thanos without any arms or legs. And um, Groot gets attacked by termites. So that, Great. It's just like, I don't know, it's, it's really fun, silly, mm. cosmic stuff. Mm. If, you, if you're craving that, uh, look no further. Lovely. Kingpin, issue four, even though it would have been way better to, to go from one cosmic book to another. That's not how we work here. Some segues work, others don't. Uh, Kingpin issue four by uh, the aforementioned Matt Rosenberg with uh, a new artist on this book, um, replacing the old artist, uh, obviously. Nice. Uh, Miguel Sepulveda. I think this is a new artist. It, lo- it definitely looks, it looks very different. different. Yeah. Kingpin has way smaller hands. <laughs> um, but uh, this uh, continues the kind of... Um, this is, I guess it's just a straight-up drama book with very little action yep. uh, in which... Uh, Kingpin has asked a, a writer to write his memoirs and, and try and see the, the real side of him, the less, you know, dangerous, thuggish side of him. But she wonders, you know, is this the side that he's only letting me see so I write the good side of him or is he a monster? And um, and he is, he is sort of improving her life in kind of um, surface ways. but Manipulative it, ways yeah. too. Yeah. Um, and now she's being attacked by Tombstone. Yeah, uh, it's 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 really really fun. Lots of layers of depth yep. to it. It's unlike anything else Marvel are putting out at the moment. It's, yep. it's really cool that uh, that they've allowed Rosenberg to go so dark with this book. Absolutely. Um, also cool to see the range that he's capable of. Yes, definitely. Um, yeah, I, re- I really really enjoy this. Uh, I think it's just one of those one of the one of the best Marvel books that are coming out at the moment. That yep. uh, if you like kind of crime and morality dramas. Mm-hmm. Um, which is kind of what Daredevil was known for. When, yeah, totally. You know, um, many years ago. And if um, you find like if if you do find the version of Kingpin in the Daredevil TV series compelling, this is something that you'll definitely find a lot of value in. Definitely. Um, aforementioned cosmic comic that I was going to bring up earlier, but forgot to. Silver Surfer issue number eleven by um, Dan Slott, um, Mike Alred, and Laura Alred. Um, is it Alred or Alred? I've always said Allred. Allred. Okay, cool. It's all right, everybody. I fucked it up. Um, Basically, um, Dawn Greenwood, who is uh, the sidekick to Silver Surfer in this book, sidekick and lover, um, the best. Really? The best job title. They're doing it now? Great. Um, Yeah, they're doing it on a surfboard (laughs) 24-7. But uh, her her sister is pregnant, and um, while Dawn and Silver Surfer are on uh you know in, in space saving the day somewhere in the galaxy uh dawn gets that 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 that's that sense that apparently only twins can get that that it's time that, that, she, that she returns to earth so she doesn't miss um the her her uh, nephew or niece to being born and um he they're then like kind of uh thwart they're then like met by someone who 
has like lost his status as a warrior due to the actions of Silver Surfer in the past, and he demands that uh, that he you know challenge. He d- demands like that they battle, and um, he won't take the hint and leave them alone. And so they they try and like pretend that he's taken Silver Surfer out, but then he follows them and realizes that um, that he was faking it. So he demands he traps them in a dimension in which they can't leave until he actually fights him properly. And it's right. funny, but there is like a, a, an inherent drama at the heart of this as well, and uh, a very potentially upsetting twist at the end of this issue too. Oh no. Just me saying this is a good series and I don't talk about it enough. Yeah, no one yeah. Good. I'm glad. Um speaking of Dan Slot, I read the latest issue of The Amazing Spider Man. Mostly because this is art by Stuart Eminen, who I love. Really? I don't even know what's on this now. Yeah. Um and so this is like in in Spider Man at the moment it's like Osborne's back, guys, and Spidey is going to take him down again because he's Osborne and he's a bad guy. And Osborne has um, been reconstructing his face pretty regularly mm-hmm. to look like other people. Um, but since in a like last issue or a couple of issues ago, Spider-Man was like, he's a coward. He won't face me with his own face. And so Osborne was like, I'll show him. I'll get my face back. <laughs> but his... <laughs> but his um, He's had reconstructive surgery too many times. And so now when they do it, like when they reconstruct his face the last time, it's like he has a scary face now. Oh, it wow. looks mostly like him, but also a bit goblin-y and it's a bit scary. He looks like one of the Attack on Titans monsters. He kind of does, yeah. Um, and so basically he has gone to some um, fictional Eastern European country, the one that Silver Sable is from, and has like helped um, some countess take it over and they're doing evil things to it, whatever. Um, and so Silver Sable is like... Come with me, Spider-Man, and we will save my people. And that's, like, kind of what happens. Which isn't, like, it doesn't really feel like a Spider-Man book to me. I don't think, like, like this is probably, for me, the book that Slot's done where it doesn't, like, Peter doesn't sound like Spider-Man to me. Like, it's not the best characterization of him that I've ever heard. It's all a bit melodramatic. It's not that funny. Um... A little bit disappointing, really. Is Mockingbird like a co-star of this book now? Oh, yeah. Mockingbird in this. Mockingbird um, just on the back of Spider-Man asking her to betray S.H.I.E.L.D. and leave S.H.I.E.L.D. <laughs> and she's wearing like her old costume. Anyway. In uh, in uh, Wolverine, she's wearing her feminist agenda t-shirt. Yeah. Great. Um, I'm probably going to keep reading this, though. <laughs> I mean, it's Spider-Man. Still, it moves Spider-Man. along at a pace that's like entertaining enough. Exactly. Absolutely. Uh, I also picked up, because the cover was such like a romance comic, uh, I picked up the latest issue of Ms. Marvel, which I haven't read um, recently. You see, I have been reading it recently, and I picked this up, and I was like, you know what, it hasn't been good recently, I'm not going to read this. <laughs> um, well, this it. issue was, because uh, I haven't been reading it recently, I didn't know that um, Bruno has taken a scholarship in Wakanda, um, and this whole issue was just about Bruno in Wakanda. And I didn't also realize that his injuries that he received um, in Civil War are sort of permanent, and and he's going to have to live like that, which is really, you know, um, sad and upsetting. But it's nice to see that kind of be ad- addressed in a comic, especially one aimed at um, young adults. And I really enjoyed this issue. This was really good fun. Um, Bruno and one of his friends try and break into um, a secret Wakandan lab. Um on the surface because his friend wants to impress a girl, but then you find out at the end that he's trying to steal vibranium so that he can make a special suit so Bruno can walk. Awesome. Really sweet. Um, and lovely themes, lovely art, beautiful colours. Yeah, that's great. I really enjoyed this. It makes me want to jump back on the book. Cool. Yeah, okay. I'll, I'll read this one. Yeah. You convinced me. Yes. 
Um, did you read Weapon X issue nope. three? Nope, I did. Um, I kind of like this. It's silly. It's got Domino. In this, um, Old Man Logan and Sabretooth have teamed up because there are these evil dudes. Oh, Weapon X, obviously. Weapon X are trying to make even more evil dudes. Weapon X. Um, and so now they're trying to get Domino so they can get her luck powers as well. Um, but luckily, few Old Man Logan and Sabretooth are there in the beginning. I like Domino as a character. I like anyone with luck powers. I think that's funny. And I quite enjoyed this issue, even even with the Greg Land art. Hmm. I might pick this one up too. Yeah, it was good fun. I accidentally didn't. I don't know why I didn't pick any X-Books up. Because you're crazy. That's right. Uh, we're doing Image next, aren't we? Yeah, I only had a couple of Image books. I might lead with a book that I don't know why you tapped out of. Yeah, I don't know. I think um, it's just like... I missed the first one or something. This is AD After Death, book three of three by Scott Snyder and Jeff Lemire. Um, Scott Snyder wrote this. Jeff Lemire did the art. And um, it is this insane story set in the future in which um, they've basically, like a, a small group of people have found the, the, the cure uh, to death. So you people can live forever. Um, and, Horrifying. And uh, they refer to it, like it's almost like the, the, the AD after death refers to like, you live in this, you can you can basically, you, you only remember a hundred years ago, oh. but these people have lived for many, many cycles. Right, okay. And um, throughout this book, um, the main character kind of remembers past memories and uh, it kind of has like a looper-ish kind of element to it mm-hmm. as well. Um, but uh, what I really want to focus on with this is a great story. And um, the first two issues were excellent. And I was worried about this because I don't think I've ever read a finale of a Scott Snyder book since his um, initial detective run mm-hmm. that uh, I I enjoyed. I really didn't like the end of um, Court of Owls. Yep. I didn't like the end of Death of the Family. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't even finish Zero Year. Mm. So I can't really be the, be the, be the verdict to, to talk on that. And um, a lot of uh, All-Star, I mean, even the All-Star Batman stuff, I'll always be like one or two issues in like, man, this is so sick. And then he just doesn't stick the landing every time yeah. for me. I love the detective story. What was the, um, the one he was Sean Murphy at Vertigo about the, um, like the people that lived in the water in the future. Oh, the wake, the wake. Yeah. I thought that, yeah, final that was issue a was really atrocious. disappointing ending. And it was like 11 incredible issues. And then just, uh, just a 12th issue that was just very disappointing. Yeah. to me. I know that he does alter his comics before they go out to trade. Like he's like a perfectionist. Well, not, oh. not a perfectionist, but he he will he will kind of change dialogue and add dialogue so that oh, the, that's uh, so interesting. I so didn't different, know that. yeah. But um, anyway, this is I think the best ending to a Scott Snyder book I've ever read. Nice. And he had a really great week this week because he actually put out the, the my favorite issue of All Star Batman yeah, so that was far. A really solid issue. Um, but uh, yeah, look, this is going to make an incredible trade when it comes out. Mm. Um, if you can still find the the single issues of this, if you haven't been keeping up with it each month, it's an excellent Scott Snyder book. It's an excellent Jeff, Jeff Lemire book, even though it, he didn't write it. Scott Snyder writes in a style that is such a good fit for Jeff Lemire's art. This kind of, you know, Lemire does that such great, like melancholy kind of mm. regret filled characters. He does. He's just so good at drawing tired, sad eyes yep. that, uh, that these characters fit perfectly in the story. And um, th- th- these books have been like half prose with, with, with like, you know, corner illustrations and then half comic book. Um, so it was a very different read. I, I, I made sure I read this first because I, I knew it would take me, you know, a good hour to get through this issue. Um, you know, it t- took me the time that it would take me to read the entirety of Marvel's output this week. Um, and uh, I, I, this has been a very, very rich reading experience, a very rewarding experience to read AD After Death and highly recommend everyone listening to do so um, at their easiest uh, convenience. I hope that when it gets printed in um, trade that they keep it in that large format. 
I'm sure they will. That'd be so silly too. I love that I also got... So I've got the three issues of these at home and then there was like a preview issue that they put out that was also in the large format. Oh, sick. So it's like a, oh, yeah. you know, a preview kind of thing. I yeah, like that. Good vibe. Collection. Magazines. Um, yeah, this is really, really great. A crazy rich world that he was able to... Because he used the prose, he was able to kind of explain so much more character motivation and add so much weight to the story and mm. characters within it. Um, a very rare and cool cool book and uh, my favourite thing that Scott Snyder's ever done. Wow, amazing. We definitely need to read it. Definitely. It was really, really great. Um, cool. So that's our first image book off the ranks. You can pick the next one, Jinbone. Uh, should we talk about Black, Ca- Black-, Black Cloud. Cloud, issue two by the team of Jason Latour, Ivan Brandon, Greg Hinkle and Matt Wilson? Yeah, so we reviewed the first issue of this and um, Siobhan had already read the second issue because yes, she I got had. a cool preview because she's very cool. I'm for so cool. Um, and uh, I thought the first issue was like intriguing but also completely confusing and uh, I was going to give it, give it another shot for the second issue but you know, I, I was very confused throughout that issue. Mm. Um, and... Uh, this second issue was everything I needed this this book to be. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm so glad. I'm glad you stuck with it because um, this is such a like, it feels like something that they've been working on for a really long time because it's such a well-realized world. Um, and it's one of those great books where they've managed to do a lot of world, world building in a very efficient way. And there's still plenty of mystery. There's still plenty of questions left unanswered. Um, but now we're starting to get a better idea of what's going on. And I love it. Yeah, me too. Um, it's, it's basically like a, a world in which there is like a portal to another world mm-hmm. that um, our main character, Zelda, um, has wreaked much havoc, havoc in years and years ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, she's subsequently been banned from ever visiting this world again, we learn. And I guess this is her... She, she wants to get back for her, her own reasons, but also because maybe she's left someone or something there mm. that she wants to get back to. There's still a lot of confusing threads left in the air. But uh, yeah, this is, this is a very strong issue. And yeah, exactly what I needed this issue to be after Absolutely. the confusing ending and, and pretty much the entirety of that book was, was issue number one was very confusing. And the art um, by Greg Hinkle and the colors by Matt Wilson are so beautiful. So like the good, colors man. are really lovely. It gives it this really sort of dreamlike quality. Um, and it looks really beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I got the Spawn variant of this too with <laughs> black and white. Nice. Um, and chains. Oh, yes. Yeah, she's straight up dressed up as Spawn. Yeah. Cool. Nice. Spawn week, everybody. Everyone loves Spawn. No, yeah. we, the weirdest thing about our Facebook group is that every week someone will be like, finally caught up on Spawn. Yeah. And it's baffling to me that that many people care. Yeah. People love Spawn. He's just one of those, like, people love Todd McFarlane. He's just one of those forever popular things that I don't get. So the only other image book you read this week was a... No, no. I read I read Rock Candy Mountain as well. Right. Just okay, left cool. it at home. Right. Okay, sure. Um, but I was going to talk about Kill oh, yeah. Killed, issue number eight. This actually came out two weeks ago, but only shipped here this week. Um, Ed Rebecca, Sean Phillips, Elizabeth Brightweiser, returning to the main story of our, not even anti-hero, like just this bad dude whose life we're following. Um, and, uh, you know, him deciding why or why you shouldn't mur- murder someone according to these weird w- rules that he's set in his own head. So that the demon doesn't kill him. Um, and, uh, yeah, again, I mean, it doesn't... Do we even need to review this at any point? It's so say, fucking good, guys. It's so fucking good. Like, this this for me is my favourite. Every week that it comes out, I'm pretty sure it's my favourite issue of the week. I think that Ed Brubaker continues to, like, um, do new things with the format of comics and constantly pushing himself to create, like, incredible, really different work, different from his own output and different to anything else that exists. Um, he's constantly playing around with, like the narrative and how it all flows and how linear it is and all the different um, 
little bits of story that he's tying together. The art is beautiful. The colors are beautiful. Like, this is such an extraordinary book, and you guys have to read it. Mm. You have to. And this is I will be pissed if you don't. A great issue because we're finally seeing everything catching up with his character, even though he has no idea yet. Yes. It's great. It's great. It's great, and I love it. Yeah, and I I feel like there's so many more characters that they can now focus on as they continue this story, too. Yep, absolutely. Um, Rock Candy Mountain, mentioned by yourself, uh, written by Carl Starks and drawn by Carl Starks too, with uh, colors by Chris Schweizer. Um, yep, uh, this is a, a hobo comic uh, about a, uh, a hobo who is uh, searching for the Big Rock Candy Mountain, mm-hmm. which is a, a, a fictitious place, seemingly that's been told in a story called Big Rock, called Rock Candy Mountain, and uh, no one believes him. Everyone laughs at him, thinks he's crazy. But he's, he, he, he swears it exists. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is a kind of mostly comedic comic, um, comic that uh, is sometimes successful in, in portraying humor, other times less so for me. Absolutely. I think that like there was a couple of moments that really did make me laugh in this issue. Um, and I probably enjoyed it more than the first issue. But I think that the inclusion of a character whose role seems to just be to follow this other guy around and go what are you doing now that's crazy i'm not used to this you're crazy it's not like it's like pointing out the jokes to everyone and i don't think it's like like i think you could have the exact same comic without that guy being in it and it would be more successful yep that said this issue ends with the introduction of a character that i'm very interested in yeah the devil the devil wasn't did he show up in issue one i can't remember anyway the devil the devil is here guys the devil's gonna be in this series that's fun i liked it um, yeah, I'll, I'll keep reading this. It's like, it's fun. It, it kind of it reads like a comic that would be good as a strip. Yeah, like totally. Weekly, weekly or even daily strip in a newspaper. Yep. Um, so yeah, I, I enjoy this book. It's fun. Uh, I read two image books that Siobhan did not this week. Um, one of them, uh, they're kind of almost both becoming hate reads. Uh, <laughs> Green Valley, number eight of nine, written by Max Max Landis with art by Giuseppe Camoncoli, um, is the uh, time-traveling uh, knights and dinosaurs comic. Uh, it sounds really fun, but it frequently isn't. Mm. Um, I'm just reading this just to get through it at this point. It, it ends on a cliffhanger in which one of the knights has been transported back to the time where everything went wrong. And Whoa. what is he going to do to right this situation? Who cares? Um, yeah, there, there, there is a good story at the heart of this thing, but I just, I just don't, I don't, I don't love Max Landis's handling of these characters, and I also don't like the choice of characters to begin with. Yeah, he writes like. I mean, I'm not reading this series anymore, so maybe this is unfair of me to say. Nah. And I really did enjoy his um, Superman American Alien series. Except but he the seems... Lobo issue. <laughs> yeah, that was my favorite one. Um, I think he really writes really unappealing characters a lot of the time. And I think that's I think it's probably intentional. But when all of your characters are like irredeemable dicks, and maybe it's just that like his sense of humor I don't find funny. And so these characters who are supposed to be kind of lovable scamps i just find dickish mm-hmm. um but yeah i don't i don't heaps i don't heaps love it the fix issue nine uh written by mick spencer with art by steve lieber um this is the kind of like uh i guess like screwball cop comedy book that um spencer's been writing for nine issues now um that lost its way for a moment and it's kind of it wins me back every now and then the story is quite fun but the jokes don't always land again it's it's I think comedy comics are quite difficult um, and when you are writing a comic with the tone, and like you know, Spencer writes this in a like, this is fucking funny. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. In every every joke, and, and it's you know, it's always he always will go take like the gross out humor option over the kind of like more subtle kind of option. Mm. It can get a bit tiring, but this was a uh, 
pretty funny issue in which um, uh, one of the cops um, is sent to infiltrate like a uh, like a kind of uh, like a, almost like a, a brothel, but like a, a brothel for extremely rich Hollywood customers that goes that extra mile. And it's run by someone that he refers to as Horny Grandma, who is a, uh, a sitcom character from the 80s that would just say like, you know, like like you make sexual jokes all the time. And I thought that was funny. Yeah, that's pretty funny. <laughs> sexy grandmas, everybody. They're hilarious. Because if grandmas would be sexy and have sex, that's crazy. They really are. My aunt in um uh, the UK is called Naughty Nanny by her... <laughs> by her grandchildren because she is a filthy old woman. Wow, and incredible. It's fucking brilliant. Make a comic about her. Yeah. Somebody. Um so yeah, again, I'm sticking with it, sticking with it. It's uh I thought I I, really, I thought the the first issue of this was so so great, but it's just been like, you know, mostly okay since then. Mm. I know it has a massive fan base though, so uh good for you there to you find go. a comic you love. Mm. <laughs> uh DC everybody, DC. Woo! Wonder Woman issue number 22. Uh was we get closer and closer to the finale of uh, Greg Rucker's run. We are joined by a new artist uh, drawing this one, Merka and Dolfo. Nice. On this one. Uh, I was confused about where this issue sat in the timeline of the stories because now, like, we have the two kind of... Everything's converging into one kind of story arc, but time-wise, I wasn't sure. Had had Diana already met Dr. Kale at this point, um, yeah. that was sort of unclear to me. This but is, other than that, I really supposedly it's eight years, seven months since Wonder Woman left Themyscira. I'm sure if we reference an older issue, mm. the the current day stuff would say exactly how much time has passed. Yeah. But since Themyscira, and we'd be able to make sense of this. But yeah. who knows where the first issue is in my house? Yeah. And you, you you put yours back on the store shelves. I sure do. They don't think about these things when they write these books. Um, but this is, uh, yeah, besides, I was a little bit confused too. Um, but I, it does, not really important. The story no, is compelling No, it was enough. still good. Although it did have um, <laughs> that, like, classic trope of a, um, I don't know what the term is, like, buy a date with Wonder Woman. And it's a bidding war between Lex Luthor and Bruce Wayne. And then Dr. Kale shows up and bids $15 million. But she has ulterior motives because she's a little bit evil. Yeah, just a little bit because she wants to save her daughter. Yeah. And, and if people are saving daughters, are they really evil? Evil for a cause. Something like that. Um, but yeah, this, I'm, I'm not sure when we're going to... like The convergence of, kind of, of timelines is, uh, is a confusing thing to think about. But I'm, I'm yeah. sure this is going to wrap up very, very well when Greg Rucker ends this run. I agree. Uh, what should we talk about next, Ginny? Um, should, should we talk about... about? Yeah, I was about to suggest the same thing. All Star Batman. All Star Batman, um, the first Ally Part One by Scott Snyder, um, and art by Raphael Albuquerque. Um, Beautiful with colors, and I've never seen um, him colored this way. Um, Jordi Belair did the colors on this one. It was awesome. Yeah, really lovely. Um, and it actually has a backup that was uh, co-written by um, Raphael Albuquerque. In fact, Snyder didn't write any of the backup. Um, it was written by um, Raphael Albuquerque with another writer, um, Raphael, another Raphael, um, Scavone, with, oh. arts, with art by Sebastian Fiumara. Nailed it. Um, but uh, this, the main part of the story, written by Snyder, um, the first ally, of course, refers to the one and only Alfred. Mm. And um, long story short, an incredibly fun intro mm-hmm. uh, in which uh, the Batmobile gate crashes a baseball game mm-hmm. or a football game um, mid-anthem mm-hmm. <laughs> mid, mid, Amer- mid-national anthem uh, we then kind of learn that uh, Hush 
is back um, and, he's, and he masters, masters his face as uh, another, another masking face issue. Mm. Uh, masters his face, as, to be fair, this is all this, this superhero can do, this supervillain can do, is just steal people's faces. But he did this a long time ago. He stole Bruce Wayne's face. So he stole Bruce Wayne's face to infiltrate a pirate uh, club. club. Pirate club, everybody. And, um, and so Bruce Wayne goes to infiltrate the pirate club himself as himself, but um, it learns that that uh, like they, they they know that it wasn't actually Bruce Wayne. It was it was Hush. So they, they fire upon Bruce, thinking it was Hush. Confusing guys. Very confusing. And we learn that uh, this mystery is not actually about Bruce Wayne and Batman, but it actually is about Alfred. Mm. Um, and we there's this great flashback where you assume Bruce Wayne is being chased by the police, but it ends up being Alfred. So it's we're really going to find a lot out about Alfred's rebellious past as as a potential vigilante or just a just a, ba- a rebel without a cause. Just a rebel kid. Um, and then the backup story is a cool story about um, Bruce Wayne going to um, take down a Russian uh, gang from Russia. Yeah. And I don't know because he like um, he's posing as a character called Knockout. And then the like leader of this gang, who is a sexy lady called Princess Vic, shows up. Called Lady Knockout. <laughs> well, there was a character in um, uh, like pre-Secret Six who was... Um, Scandal Savage's girlfriend who was called Knockout. And I was right. like, is that the same person? But uh. I don't think so because that character was a stripper. Strippers can be also r- scary Russian. 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 Owners too. <laughs> yeah, true. True. The two, the two professions go hand in hand. Yeah. <laughs> um, lots of like books that I, I like, not my favorite DC books that I keep up with this week. Yeah, yeah. It was like a pretty um, middling to good DC week. Um, the issue seven of Teen Titans was probably the weakest issue of the run so far for me. Um, they're introducing the Aqualad character um, who is running away from home because he is gay and his mum doesn't understand him and doesn't understand his cool water-based superpowers. Um, and so he just shows up to try and join the team. And thank goodness, because they're fighting King Shark. Yeah. So very a very different timing. King Shark to what I've seen in comics before, especially in Secret Six. Yeah, I like the sillier King Shark, yeah, personally. Um, but uh, you know who fucking sucked in this issue? Damian yeah, Wayne was yeah. terrible in this issue. He's just way too like angry towards the idea of a new superhero joining the yeah. Titans. And also, like it just it was just dumb and short. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, was, I, wasn't, I still don't understand why... The other heroes allow him to be the leader, but totally. And I like this. Yeah, this really wasn't the strongest issue. Um, but now it's going to tie into the Lazarus contract, which is the new um, story, which is tying in all the Titans books. I also read um, the latest issue of Titans this week, really? issue eleven, because it is the first part of the Lazarus contract, which is referring pretty explicitly to the Judas contract, which was a classic story arc from the George Perez Marv Wolfman. Um, uh, like, what was it, late 70s, early 80s Teen Titans run? Mm-hmm. Is that about right? Um, which I love. I think that's like an all-time classic superhero comic run for me, which was all about um, Deathstroke. Deathstroke back before he was annoyingly ubiquitous um, and sort of revenging the death of his son, Grant, who died during a battle with the Teen Titans but not caused by the Teen Titans. Obviously, they're not bad guys. Um so this is all kind of about Deathstroke. He basically kidnaps Wally and is trying to use um, the sort of speed force ability to um, time travel to go back and save his son, Grant. I quite enjoyed this. I really like the Brett Booth art, um, but I'm, I'm 
I'm into this story and I'm I'm going to read the whole crossover. Because you haven't been reading Titans. No, I haven't. Did you kind of get what was going on mostly? Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, yeah. Like, it's not... It's not that complicated. It's not. It's not. I know these. I know these characters well. Cool. So I'm. I'm into it in a a gentle way. You know, book I really enjoyed this week. Go on. New Superman number eleven. Yeah, fun, um, huh? By uh, I always fuck his name up. Gene Luen Yang. Yep. Did it. I did it. Uh, And uh, new artist Billy Tan. Um, Local, local bro. Like he lives. I think he lives in Singapore now. But he um used to be based in Melbourne. Really? Right. I also love that the creative team's last names on this, as a uh, reference in the book. Um, it's Yang Tan Zhang Zan. <laughs> nice. Um, but uh, this kind of, uh, yeah, it, it kind of broadens the uh, the kind of bigger Superman mythology into China. Um, mm-hmm. And we get, not only do we have like a, a Flash um, character joining the Chinese Justice League now, Justice League of China, uh, but someone who has links to this, this to China's Wonder Woman uh, is awakened from beneath the sea using the doomsday virus. Mm-hmm. So you have like this, uh, I mean, I, I know that uh, yeah, basically you have this enormous like water monster version of doomsday mm-hmm. show up in this book that the um, Chinese heroes have to fight. And this also kind of retells that classic, like who's faster, Superman or um, the Flash um, story, which can feel a little bit like done because it's done every single it's just done every couple of years with every new speedster character and every new Superman character, but this was still good fun. It was super fun. It was a very fun issue, and um, we get cameos from um, Amanda Waller, Lex Luthor, um, Harley Quinn, and they all, it all felt really good. Mm. There were lots more references to the greater DC universe in this issue than the previous ones, and it ends with uh, the reveal of Superman Zero. Yeah. Fun. Very fun. Very, very fun, Siobhan. Very enjoyable. Uh, Green Lantern, Core, Hal Jordan, and the specifically. Nice. Uh, issue number 20, uh, Prism of Time is the name of this arc, written by Robert Vendetti with art by um, uh, Rafa Sandoval. Um, this is introducing uh, Rip Hunter. Uh, he's kind of a main character in this arc, and it's all about time travel, um, which is not why I read Green Lantern comics. Not heaps, but I don't hate this. I sort of – I like – all of the stuff that's going on in this comic, except for probably the main plot, if that makes sense. Like, I don't heaps find this villain that compelling. I like it's a bit of an annoying um, main kind of arc of like, ugh, something Hal did is coming to bite him in the ass again. Yeah. But um, the Guy Gardner Arkillo team up is heaps fun. That's, I mean, that's <laughs> all I need from this book. Yeah, pretty much. We, we, I think we both read this exclusively for Guy Gardner's. I love Guy Gardner. Oh, yeah, he's the best. What can I say? Uh, and you can join our Patreon at Guy Gardner level <laughs> if you want to get your voice heard on the podcast in the future. Patreon.com slash Serious Issues Podcast. Check it out. Uh, Suicide Squad issue number 17 um, actually ties into another book that I can talk about next. Um, this is the first issue of the Suicide Squad that um, includes uh, Zod as a member of the, of the Zod Squad. Yep, hilarious. Um, and uh, I've, this is just a fun book now. Nice. I, 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 I've lamented what this book was, and uh, now that we've got Tony Daniel on art for the entire issue, it just feels like a proper book finally. Um, uh, you know, uh, and um, what's his name? Rob Williams is doing doing good work with the writing too. Uh, yeah, this is fun, fun issue, fun fun stuff going on. Um, Zod is clearly a much bigger, um, much bigger kind of threat as a mm. character than the rest of the squad, and so that's going to change dynamics a lot. Um, and he's desperately trying to like. He's, he, it, it ends with him trying to like heat vision his his kryptonite bomb out of his own head. Amazing, which is super fun. That actually is really sick. <laughs> um, 
and it tied into action comics because uh, yeah. a society, an anti-Superman society, has been formed featuring Mongol and Cyborg Superman and Mentallo. Hilarious. And um, the Eradicator and more. Is it just like a support group? Um, well, My they, guys, he's just beaten me up too many times they, and I feel real sad. They're going to take him down once and for all and they destroy his Fortress of Solitude in this <sighs> book. Um, and it, it ends with them saying they need to recruit one more person, Emperor Zod. And right. the next, the, so the next issue is Assault on the Suicide Squad. Uh, it was mostly a, quite a fun issue, written by Dan Jurgens with uh, art by Patrick Zercher. Uh, but um, I have to just say, I don't like that there's two Superman books at the same time when one ruins plot points from the other. Yeah. So this opens with um, Lois and Clark uh, moving back to Metropolis. Oh! So Superman, the book that we've loved, is set in uh, Hamilton County, where mm. with all farms and swamps and county fairs. And I guess after this arc, they're going to move to the city. Which I kind of assumed. I assumed that that's what was going to happen. But at the same time, like... Let, if, if, let if, it happen. Exactly. Like, let, let them tell that story. Just wait a couple months, I guess. Yeah, I don't fucking know. hell, guys. Especially because we're, you know, quite in... I guess what... Yeah, I guess they're getting, they're getting it literally chased out of the, out of the county mm. by the monsters that live there, um, is how I imagine things are going to go down. But uh, yeah, it's always annoying when things are ruined by the other. Absolutely. Uh, Batman, Detective Comics, issue 956, uh, the end of the League of Shadows arc, um, written by... Uh, James, James Tinney and the Fourth. fourth. And, art um, by Marcio Takara, who I really liked on this issue. Yes, it's much stronger than the last few issues he's done. Um, and uh, good character building for, um, um, what's her Cass. name? Cass. Cassandra Kane, aka Orphan. Uh, we were waiting for her to kind of have her character fleshed out more. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't crazy about all of the, um, the links to her mother, whose name is... Shiva. Lady, Lady Shiva. Um, especially did not like how her, how her kind of attack has ended. I thought that was really lazy. Yeah, but I think I'd like I would be shocked if that was the end of Lady Shiva. But to be honest, if you've been wondering these last few issues, what's going on with um, Steph? What's Steph's last name? Brown. Stephanie Brown, aka Spoiler. The next issue is called Spoiler Alert. Oh, so it looks like great. she's back. You hate Spoiler, don't you? <laughs> I mean, I feel silly saying I hate any character. She's probably my least favorite Bat Fam member, but whatever. Did you read another Bat Fam book this week? I sure did. I read Batgirl and the Birds of Prey, um, written by Julie Benson and Shauna Benson, with art by Roge Antonio. Um, I really like this book. I think it's really good fun. This had um, the, the the birds teaming up against a villain who can steal their powers, and she was using mind control powers to... Um, mind control black canary away from the team etc it involves everyone teaming up and being like remember we love you um to to fix things which is always a little bit lame but i still really enjoy this book i think it's um i think it's a really fun addition to the sort of bat family books and i think that they've done a really solid you know core birds of prey team i think it'll be interesting to see if they add any more classic birds of prey members to it like who um i mean I think, like my mind immediately went to Big Barter from that time, that really short-lived period when she was on the team. Um, just bring back, just do the Gail Simone book again. Come on, guys. <laughs> um, or the Chuck Dixon team. But I really like this. I really like this um, version of Huntress. And I'm even intrigued as to this Oracle character. I think they've done a good job of setting up that um, mystery. So I'm into this book. Awesome. Hmm. 
you read another DC book that I dropped. Yeah, I read Supergirl also this week, which is a tie, um, which is a sort of team up between Supergirl and um, Batgirl and is part of the Escape from the Phantom Zone story arc because, spoiler, guys, at the end of this, Batgirl and Supergirl are trapped in the Phantom Zone after fighting Magog. Right, fun. Which is a classic JSA villain. Magog and Mongol, I get mixed up. Really? Just because they have funny, like similar names. Yeah, true. They're very different characters. They are very different characters. One of them has a big hat. <laughs> put put a hat on, <laughs> on, on Mongol and we're fucked though. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, I, I quite enjoy this. Um, Red Hood and the Outlaws is a book that Siobhan dropped that I stuck with, um, yes. which is the, uh, the the trilogy of characters I don't really care about. Jason Todd, Bizarro and Artemis, um, aka a like kind of different trinity to mm-hmm. the ones we're used to, a different... Uh, uh, different analogy of Batman, Superman, and, and Wonder Woman. Um, but this actually got quite good. This is the um, written by Scott Lobdell with um, art by uh, Dexter Soy um, and c- colors by Veronica Gandini. Um, this is now kind of telling more about the character who I knew the least about, which is Artemis and uh, her history, uh, basically like a, her, her lover has come back to life through nefarious means and she, the kind of rest of the team isn't sure whether they should trust her. Um, and uh, it's all taking place in uh, the city that Jason Todd was killed in by the Joker before he was brought back as, as the Red Hood. Um, and uh, Bizarro is kind of like, they've all been split up at the moment. So you have Artemis reunited with her lover, Jason Todd um, taken, like, taken hostage in a, in a similar situation to uh, like the, the chair with rope that he, that he was killed in uh, by the Joker. Oh, no. And uh, Bizarro is like helping a bunch of uh, like people living locally escape invading um, armies by punching through a mountain. Um, in fact, cool. Bizarro is probably my favorite character in this. Which is shocking. Crazy. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I really like this book. It's like probably one of the more underrated and less talked about uh, DC Rebirth books, but hmm. it's still quite fun. Good to know. Uh, Shade the Changing Girl, issue number eight through DC's Young Animal imprint, written by Cecil Castellucci with art by Marley Zarconi, doing incredible work in this issue. Yeah, wow. What a fun issue. This was pretty much like Shade takes New York. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I uh, loved it. Um, and we also had uh, inks on this one by Andy Parks and colors by, great colors by um, Kelly Fitzpatrick. In fact, this, this may be one of my favorite colored books. Mm. Um, it's such work. a beautiful book. It's so good. Um, so this, yeah, we have a... Uh, Shade, uh, after being embarrassed, humiliated at the uh, the kind of high school dance. Mm-hmm. Home, was it homecoming or was it a dance? No, no. Uh, she decides, fuck this, and leaves that town and just goes off to see her world. The world, and where does she go? But Gotham. Obviously. This is a Gotham much more in line with um, our New York City because yep. Gotham has an Empire State Building in this book. Oh. <laughs> um, but uh, this is like, it's great. It's kind of like talks about why she loves traveling so much and mm. all these, uh, she basically allows so much so many people in Gotham to see what she see, sees yeah this and is a book that really um, sort of embraces and fleshes out the kind of madness of Shade I think both in the sense of like we see what's um, happening with her poor abused boyfriend back on her home planet um, as the sort of baddie on her home planet tries to recreate the madness fest um, that she's stolen as well as seeing how her madness powers manifest um, in Gotham when she's visiting. Yeah, it ends with her seeing um, the Sonic Booms, mm. which is a, a band that was on her favorite I Love Lucy-esque TV show, Honey, mm. uh, which is the, the book, the kind of book that we get um, at the end of each each issue of this, so this little backup material, which is also very, very fun. Really fun. That by, I think, Dan Parent. And um, I, loved, I loved checking in with... Um, 
uh, all of the different characters from Shade's world back home that she's yep. back home. Like, uh, what is it, the teacup and whatever his name is. Uh, yep. The, her mates. The dude. That betrayed her almost. Yeah. Um, and like the, I love that sort of um, she implies in the panel before that, that like, you know, it's so nice being free where no one will worry about her. Forget like not realizing obviously that she's made an impact in the um, town that she lives in and people miss her and are worried about her. Um, I thought that was a nice, a nice yeah. little thing. It's a great series. It's, it's fucking so good, man. One, at the end of the year, it's probably yeah, be top top five of the year for me. Yeah, I think so. Great series, everybody. You should be reading it. Absolutely. Those are our DC reviews, our image reviews, and our Marvel reviews. And now uh, we have a, uh, a small collection of books to uh, to talk about uh, from other publishers. Uh, I read all about of them. God, God Shaper? Yeah, God, why not? God Shaper? God. We've got two boom books. God Shaper by Simon Spurrier and um, Jonas Goonface. Or what a name. Gorn Fache? I don't know. <laughs> It can't be Goonface, right? Yeah, I reckon it is. Okay, sweet. That's also the most incredible name. Um, you didn't get a chance to talk about issue one because you were away. I was away. Gallivanting. Uh, so please, uh, let, let me know what you think of God Shaper. I love this book so much, guys. And I think this issue does an awesome job because in the first issue, I was a little bit like, uh, I really enjoyed it, but the world hadn't been quite solidified for me and it was a little bit like that's a bit of a weird concept and Mm -hmm. I don't know how much it works Um, but I think that they did a really great job of fleshing that out in this issue Um, the new characters that they introduced are really great this is another great example of a book that is very queer without it being a really like major plot point which I think is very um, really nicely handled really well done this is a beautiful book to look at the colours are incredible the art's really unique it's really not like anything else on the shelves and I'm heaps into it. Specifically, men hooking up. Which yeah. is something that I feel like we, we see... Never. Never in yeah. comic books. And, and it was handled really, really sweetly in this Yeah, absolutely. Book. And also, like, you know, it, the characters aren't necessarily good people too. So, mm-hmm. yeah, there's a, lot, there's a lot to take in on this in this world. It's such a hugely high concept book. Yeah. Um, I love it. It's so cool and weird. And, you know, it, it's a bummer that's only a mini series, but you know it's going to be quite a satisfying arc that we're going to read. Yeah, absolutely. And I would love it if it, you know, if we got to see more mini, like, mini stories um, with these characters. How but the fuck do you come up with the concept of this book? This I like, have no world fucking where idea. Gods do everybody's work, and you've got it. Uh, <laughs> Jim says alcohol. Uh, I think it's something stronger, personally. Meth. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Is meth is meth that much of a creative drug? Is meth stronger than alcohol? Let us know. Serious <laughs> issues at kingscomics.com. If if it is, we'll make it our uh, one thousand and two dollar reward. <laughs> our, we'll Siobhan we'll buy you I, some meth. Siobhan, no, Siobhan and I will do meth before recording. Oh God, an I'm not doing that. You won't be pregnant by then. It'll be fine. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> we're not doing. We're not doing meth, everybody. It's just J- JK. Um, that's the end of that riff. Yeah. Uh, Grass Kings. Grass Kings issue number three. Um, speaking of meth, I'm sure there's a community of, of meth users in this book. This dirty world of uh, of, uh, of rogue people living mm-hmm. off the grid, uh, written by Matt Kent with art by Tyler Jenkins. Uh, this involves at its heart a uh, a woman who who escapes the, the the local sheriff and escapes basically swims 40 miles to a um a kind of a community. How do you describe the kind of community it is? It's like a they don't they they're not part of. I don't know. I don't. I don't know if secessionist is the right term. They live outside the law. Yeah, they're basically like they do not adhere to you at the U.S. law. They are a, a kingdom unto themselves. And uh, this deals with like basically she, she's 
under the care of someone who lives in this community who lost his daughter at a very young age mm-hmm. um, uh, and uh, has kind of hasn't never been the same since um, and he gets, gets a quite a paternal kind of uh, vibe towards this young mm. woman he finds um, but she can clearly look after herself um, as she smokes some dude yeah later in the later in the issue um, but there's this is a very rich vibrant world that that um, Matt Kent and, and Tyler Jenkins, whose art is phenomenal. Yeah, this is so great, and the watercolors are beautiful. Like this is a really beautiful his art really book. lends itself to the watercolor. Yeah, um, absolutely. He, he has quite s- simple ink drawing with mm-hmm. with very vivid colors. Um, see, so yeah, there's there's a lot going on here, and like the, the characters that we're meeting, both within the community and outside of it, are, there's a lot of gray area, um, and it ends on a very grisly. Yeah. Grizzly moment. But I mean, cool. Very cool. <laughs> I love this book. Such it's a really book. nice. Kent, I was saying, this is clearly like from a writer point of view for me, this is Jeff Lemire's year. Yeah. But I think next year is Matt Kent's year. It can, only, it can only belong to one. <laughs> <laughs> um, overall, you know, for my, I just think like, you know, Kent's writing three, four, four books that we love right now that are coming out. Um, you know, whereas Lemire's writing fucking 10. Yeah. <laughs> Just for sheer volume. Yeah. That's what I mean. It's all, it's a volume thing. Hmm. Uh, I feel like Castellucci could, could be one of, she, she could have a year coming up Absolutely. soon too. Uh, Red Line was the, it's the final book we're going to talk about today. Um, the book uh, written by uh, Archer, one of the Archer, um, the TV show Archer creators, Neil Holman, um, illustrated by Clayton McCormack and colors by Kelly Fitzpatrick comes out through Oni Press and is about, um, a war on Mars, mm. and we kind of, uh, you know, it's a, the 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 group of characters that we see are a rough and tumble bunch, to say mm-hmm. the least. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you know, boozy and uh, law breaking, even though they are upholders of the law, as they are army people. Um, and there are aliens, and uh, there's uh, you know, at, at its heart, it's it's just like Archer is like a, a spy comic a comedy about office relationships and mm. that kind of stuff. Uh, this is a, another relationship, friendship kind of heavy book mm. that is taking place in, in a very insane world with aliens and bullshit and corruption going on. I did. I do. I do enjoy this book. Um, I would, I would probably like it a tiny bit more. And like all the female characters are like sex based in some way. You know what I mean? Like the sort of, um, like there are a lot of uh, female characters that are high up in the military, which is cool, but also they're all fucking someone and like there's always fucking space brothels and shit like that. Like if we could have one sci-fi story where there wasn't a fucking space brothel, that would be sick. Um, yeah. But also like I'm not trying to say that like sexuality can't be a part of comics because obviously it can and sex is part of most relationships and I understand all that. But at the same time, it would be sick if there was just one female character yeah. in this who wasn't fuck-based. Also, also, we see both... Both uh, both the female characters of this issue get their tits out. Yeah, yeah. On the same double spread of pages. Yeah. I know they probably did that so it could be thematically similar, but it's like, well... And tits. like, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, yeah. I mean, at least the women in this comic are getting the sex they want, whereas the men are just trying to get it. Yeah. That, maybe, <laughs> that's, maybe that's a good message. But uh, yeah, no, I, I totally see what you mean. It definitely feels like a comic written by dudes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. Still, it's, it's still a pretty good comic written by dudes. Absolutely. But that, that factor is But I feel gross. like I would enjoy it 10% more if I had a dick. <laughs> Uh, and uh, <laughs> if you pledge, uh, if we, if you pledge uh, two hundred dollars a month, we'll buy a Shivana dick. I would really enjoy that, guys. 
Um, so those are our reviews for the week. Um, I wanted to talk about a manga, believe it or not. Whoa! Uh, this week called My Brother's Husband, written by Genguro Tagame. But I'm I, Siobhan wasn't able to get a copy last week, so I'm going to lend her my copy. Uh, I'm going away for the next week, so we are going to delay the next episode by one day. One measly day. So the next oh. episode will be out next Tuesday instead of next Monday. Uh, I'm, I'm going up, for a, up to Byron for a wedding. Lovely. And we'll, we'll taking the kids there, having a, a romp around in the sunshine. Even though it's raining every day there, it'll still be slightly warmer than what it is here. Um, Byron's lovely. But uh, then I'm going to come back Tuesday morning, read as many books as I can before lunchtime, hit record with you. Nice. Put it up that evening. I get to be the smug person who's read all the books. Finally. Um, Finally. It's a great position to be in. I probably still won't. Um, but uh, I think we should leave talking about this book. Um, so we, I have something I can really go in depth with next cool. week. Just in case I don't manage to read all, all the weeklies. Nice. Because this, this is one of the best things I've read since we started this podcast. One oh, of amazing. the best comics I've ever read. Certainly the best manga I've ever read. Great. Um, it is uh, written by um, uh, the, the Tokyo's most well-known and renowned um, gay erotic artist. Yeah, I didn't realize that that was him. I am familiar with his work. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, but it's a, it's an all-ages comic about um, uh, a, a single father and his young daughter living in Tokyo who one day get a visit from someone who claims to be the husband of his late brother. Um, and he is so so he's so in in one sitting, uh, his daughter learns that he she has an uncle. His uncle was his uncle was her uncle was gay. Her uncle was gay. Uncle was married. Men can get married. It's a lot to take in, and uh, this is kind of like a commentary on acceptance of homosexuality within within Tokyo and Japan, and like the way Japanese culture views gay culture. And and uh, you know, there's there's a lot of somber moments in this, and you know, it's very it's very much a, a book about morals and learning, and mm. and like you know, the the main character has to really like. Ex, you know, put him put his mind in his daughter's mind to accept his brother's husband. That's really it's nice. It's really, really sweet and really great. And there are moments in this. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll go into it in depth. But there are moments in this that really made me kind of. Even though, like you know, I've 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 spent my entire life trying to be so accepting, there are moments that you see yourself in this character mm. where, like you know, you, against you know, even though you tried so hard to kind of be so accepting of certain things, like. We can go more into it next next week, but mm. it's an incredible book that made me feel all kinds of feelings. Amazing. And, uh, I would recommend it to absolutely fucking everybody. Yeah, I'm really excited to check that one out. Uh, starting with you, Siobhan. Yep, got to check it out. Uh, so we'll be reviewing, reviewing My Brother's Husband Volume 1 next week, and as well as all of next week's comics. Woo! Come and chat to us about this episode and next week's episode over at our Facebook group, facebook.com slash group slash Serious Issues Podcast, or our page, facebook.com slash Serious Issues Podcast. You can find us on Twitter, twitter.com slash serious underscore underscore issues uh, and I am at levdog on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook Siobhan is at Siobhan CBG thanks to the guy who just followed me who said he really liked my Batman impression that made me laugh <laughs> uh, you can you can you can end finish finish the show up um just in, doing, in, yeah. Just doing shout out, our, shout out our Patreon in your Batman voice. Oh yeah, that'd be lovely. Um, just a couple of Kings-based things that I wanted to mention really quickly. Um, we've got Queens of Kings coming up this Sunday. If you're a Sydney-based lady who has wanted to but never come down, it's the perfect time. Every every month is the perfect time to come on down. It's a good time. We always have fun. It's a really open, lovely, accepting group of women that I'm really um, proud to be a part of and um, that make me feel all kinds of emotional. They were representing us at um, Free Comic Book Day and it is unbelievable. 
how lovely and how much um, they see the group as meaning to them. And that's um, an incredibly validating and lovely thing for me. And we're talking about Velvet this week, the first volume of Velvet, um, Brubaker and Sean Phillips. Incredible, incredible book. Um, Also coming up soon, June 3rd is Wonder Woman Day, guys. If you have a look on the King's Facebook page, I'm going to have some stuff up because we're going to be having a really fun um, Wonder Woman-based celebration on that day. Well, I'm also going to be doing something because King's are the principal sponsor of The Ledgers this year, which is the um, Australian comics um, Night of Nights. Big, <laughs> It's like the Oscars of Australian comics, so huge, obviously. It's going to be in Burwood Library, I think. Um, but we're going to be doing some really cool stuff based around Australian comics all that week at King's Comics. Also, I'm going to be doing a zine fair. Um, I'm just trying to mention. I'm just trying to mention everything that I'm doing before I go away on maternity leave. Also, guys, if you have been, um, if you saw me on the DC Comics um, Instagram and were like, "Whoa, where did Siobhan get that really cool King's Comics hoodie?" Very soon, you will be able to buy your very own King's Comics hoodie. I thought um, you were about to tell everybody where babies come from. <laughs> <laughs> if you were like, why is Siobhan's stomach so swollen? Let me sit you down, guys, and tell you about the birds and the bees. Um, no, we'll be selling King's merchandise very soon. Also, Queens of King's t-shirts. You <laughs> <laughs> should be serious. It's just, oh, we are. Yeah. you got to hit that goal first. Yeah, guys. Get a t-shirt with Levin's face on it. Um, so uh, that that's it for the show this week. Um, make sure you hit up our Patreon page, which Batman is... Oh, God, I have no idea. What the fuck's the... Page. Patreon.com slash Serious Issues Podcast. Patreon.com slash Serious Issues Podcast. Thanks, Batman. Your, your, your <laughs> you cadence can. is beautiful. And I Thank can't you. wait to record another episode with you next week. Bye, everybody. Yay, bye. Oh, wait, do we want to talk about next week's comics? No. No. Nah. Bye. Bye. Hey, this is Levins. Thanks so much for listening to Serious Issues. If you're not completely sick of my voice by now, why don't you check out one of my other podcasts? One is called Hey Fam, and it's about comedy and pop culture, so about comic book movies and comic book TV shows, all that kind of thing. The other one is called The Mitchin, and it's all about the uh, food and bar scene in Sydney. You can find both of them on iTunes or download them directly at yolevins.com slash podcasts. Thanks so much for your support, and I'll see you next week. Bye-bye. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. I mean, if you want. It's up to you. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. 
Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program. Save big money on everything for your next project at Menards. Spring is here making it the perfect time for outdoor projects. Suncast storage sheds are an excellent solution for protecting outdoor lawn and gardening tools. They're easy to assemble, and the all-weather construction provides water resistance and UV protection. Save big on Suncast storage sheds. View our selection of Suncast products today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big money. 